right. Lost Lives returns. Returns, believe it or not. Yes, after like a two-week absence, we are back with another episode of the Lost Lives Podcast. Hello, everybody. Josh Wiggler. So many apologies. All of the apologies from me to your ears and your hearts, hopefully, forgiving us for being a little bit late on this week's Lost Lives was supposed to come out last week. Life has gotten in the way, as it often does. In fact, I am here with the love of my life, Emily Fox. Emily Fox, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm very excited that you and I are back around the microphone again for some more Lost Talk, although a little bit shorter this week than in previous weeks. I'm just happy we're in the same room together right now. It has been a little while. (laughs) Yeah, we've had very conflicting schedules. Both of us have been incredibly busy on our own projects. So this is a treat. Schedules have not really aligned for exciting reasons, as Emily has alluded to. Emily, congratulations. You just enrolled in school. It's the Dharma Initiative, correct? Yes. um, I got my jumpsuit. I got my lanyard. I have been going to classes. DIU, Dharma Initiative University. Yeah, I'm going to learn all about it. No, what are you what are you really up to? Emily has had some exciting things going on in her life in the past couple of weeks. No, guys, I started grad school. Wow, hooray, congratulations, congratulate schoolations. Oh, that was awful. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's all right. What are you going to school for, Emily? Oh, I'm going to school for food studies. Tell me more about food studies. What is food studies? Uh, it's sort of the all-encompassing global perspective of how we consume food, how we grow it, what we do with it, um, what we should be doing with it moving forward, uh, the socioeconomic effect of food, the cultural and political effects of food. Do you arrange the palate drops on the Lost Island? Is that you? Are you one of those two people that's responsible for sending all the food to the Dharma Initiative? I'm not, but I might be more critical of their diets now as we watch the uh, episodes moving forward. If you were on the Lost Island, would you be really helpful when Sun is trying to grow her garden? Yes, it's all about biodiversity. All about biodiversity. I don't even know what that is. That means that you're planting different species and uh, types of plants so that they can live harmoniously and some act as repellents for different insects and some help others grow and it enriches the soil and uh, makes it good for the next growing season. Okay, so you are going to be working on the biodiversity of the Lost Island alongside Sun. That seems like a pretty good fate for you. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to make sure all of the mangoes are fair trade. (laughs) Fair trade mangoes. That is going to be a policy on the podcast moving forward. All mangoes, everyone has a right to mangoes. There is no such thing as bad mango etiquette on this podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So we are a little bit late on this week's episode of Lost Lives because Emily has been back in school. I've been busy with some work and some trips of my own. And guys, I hate to say it, but Emily and I have not been able to watch this week's episode of the 23rd Psalm. Wah, 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 wah. So That's a tritone. Guys, I went to undergrad for music. Oh my god, you're so special. So Emily and I have not yet watched the episode in Mr. Echo's very first flashback episode, the 23rd Psalm. And it looks like we're not going to be able to get to it for another week or so. So rather than just have no Lost Lives podcast whatsoever we are going to have a podcast that is sans episode recap this week does that make you sad emily it does make me sad i thought we had a really good rhythm going and i i hate to disappoint people we always hate disappointing people we will get that rhythm back we have a really good podcast we always hate people that are disappointing (laughs) we hate the disappointed people no it just sounded like instead of i hate disappointing people it sounded like i hate disappointing people 
I hate disappointing people. I, I do think, like, I don't like it when people are disappointing. I hate being a disappointing person, which is how I feel right now. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just wallow in this while we can. All right, so we'll wallow in it. How about this, Emily? Without sight unseen, do you have a hot take on Mr. Echo? Is there anything that you can pull from the lost treasure troves about how you feel about Mr. Echo? He's a big, burly man with a wonderful accent. I thought you were going to say with a wonderful stick, and I was about to get really Ew, alarmed. Why would you think I said that? Because he carries a stick with him. It's a signature item. Clearly, I don't go back that far in memory. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, he does have a wonderful stick, and he also <laughs> is a wonderful burly man. I love Adewale Akinoye Akabaje is the name of the actor who was recently in the DC Comics adaptation Suicide Squad, Emily, which I saw last week in anticipation, finally saw it last week, so that I could weigh in on his performance in that movie as I was anticipating getting to talk about Mr. Echo on the podcast. Well, what did you think about Suicide Squad? It was fine. Okay. It was better than I think it's been given credit for, but still not good. Okay. And I'll say this. Mr. Echo, really not good as Killer Croc. Terrible, terrible casting, terrible Koopa Troopa makeup. It's just a really bad look for a Killer Croc. Do you know what a Killer Croc is, Emily? No. Killer Croc is a Batman villain who is uh, more... Crocodile? He is more crocodile than man. Or maybe he's he's like somewhere in between crocodile and man, a man with like very crocodile skin and features and appetites and attitudes. And he's been great in several incarnations of Batman in the comics, in the cartoons, in video games. Not so great in live action, unfortunately. That's too bad. Is this like his biggest role since Lost? Because I feel like I haven't seen him in anything. It is really disappointing. I feel like Adewale Akinoye Akabaje, I really love his name. I feel like he would be a great headliner for a TV show. He was, you know, phenomenal on Oz well before Lost. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, he was in Oz. That's how I really... I, I think about Simon Adebisi as his character on Oz. I think about him before I think about Mr. Echo. And I don't know if that always would have been the case. Um, if Lost had continued with Echo the way that it probably wanted to instead of AAA wanting out of his contract. Do you know anything about this, Em? You mentioned it briefly last time, but I don't recall the specifics of it. The the thing, as, as much as I can remember, is he just didn't want to be on the show anymore, did not like... Hawaii, I guess. He was like, I don't see how this is going to end well, guys. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I mean, everyone who was involved in that Taylor section somehow hightailed it out of Lost, whether it was Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Watros, who, if you believe legend, and I don't know how legendary it is versus actually real, that they were fired for drinking incidents for DUIs. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, mm-mm, not good. Yeah, Daniel Day Kim, I think, got arrested for a DUI as well. And then season four ended with Jin apparently Exploding on a freighter and everyone was like oh my god did they blow up Jin because he got a DUI and ultimately he was fine but people were really scared about that can't they just have like some like sort of car service situation going on off of like on and off set like wouldn't that make sense you would think so maybe they I just know I have a really hard time with celebrities and DUIs like you, you've got the money like cough it up well I don't want to go Call a cab that's isn't that the underlying theme here or find somebody responsible to drive you maybe the problem is when you call a cab on the lost island that's how the smoke monster shows up because we all know it sounds like a New York City cab uh, interesting concept. yeah so maybe you don't maybe you don't want to call the cab <laughs> yeah you don't know what'll show up so I don't 
think that AAA was another drunk driving incident. I really have no idea. All I know is he and the show were no longer interested in being in bed together. It was uh, a parting of ways. Mr. Echo yeah. goes out early on in season three. Don't drag his name through the DUI mud here. Like, you don't need to do that. I thought it was DIU was Dharma Initiative University, not DUI. Uh, maybe that's why I'm stumbling. That's why you're stumbling. I don't know. Maybe you're stumbling for other reasons. Uh, but anyway. I haven't drank anything yet. <laughs> yet. Emphasis on yet. Red wine Emily has not oh, no. yet emerged. No, we only have Rosé in the fridge. It's okay. All right. Rosé Emily is a less exciting character, I think. Still interesting in her own way. I'm fine. It's just that, you know, I don't have as much of a mess of a situation going on. <laughs> I like it when you're a All mess right. of a situation. You know what? I've been reading too much. It's too much already. I can't do grad school. I can't do podcasts. Ah! So I, to get back on track for a minute here, I think that, um, so, you know, he left Lost. It didn't go his way. He didn't really have a big major role on television that I can think of. Certainly nothing that he was really anchoring. I feel like Adewale Akinoye Agabaje is a really terrific actor who really could lead something. If only he wasn't booking roles where he is shrouded in makeup, made to look like a completely unbelievable character that just doesn't look great. He was in Thor The Dark World, the second Thor movie, and in that he plays some sort of alien monster. It's just not a great use of his talents. I think he would be better off leading the way on his own show. I hope that happens for him eventually. Television is a wonderland, Emily, and I think that he would do quite well in television. Also, Emily has just been Googling pictures of Killer Croc for the very first time in her life. That's not Adewale. That's not Adewale, no. Yeah, that's an illustration. Yeah, that's, that's him. That's just unfortunate. He's got such a beautiful face. Why'd you want to cover that up? Yeah, and just to describe it, he's wearing like something between a leather jacket and a hoodie, and he has his hands bandaged up in uh, the way that a boxer might, because I think there's some boxing backstory with Killer Croc. Alex Kidwell, if you're listening, you can fact check me on that. Uh, yeah, it's just not a good look. He has no dialogue. They really could have cast anybody in this, and yeah. this is how they choose to use Adewale Akinoye Gabaji. It's very unfortunate. I mean, obviously, you want him to be true to the, the illustration and the character, so like, I get that that's pretty hardcore makeup and pretty cool, but... It can be anybody. Anyway, so these are our musings on Adewale Akinoye Agabaje as Killer Croc without Emily having seen it and me not being impressed by the result. It wasn't great. Hopefully he made some decent money off of it. Hopefully he made some decent money. I don't know. I don't know how, how that works for the for the C-listers in Suicide Squad, even if he is AAA in name and in my heart. So we will not have a recap of the 23rd Psalm today. Very sorry about that. We do have plenty of lost action on the podcast today. We have AJ Mass, who gave us his little tease of what a lost two in his universe would look like. It was very strange, Emily. It was not the typical lost two synopsis that we have come to expect from these podcasts. Tell me more. Well, we will tell you more in just a second as we pull AJ on here. Just a word of warning, the AJ conversation is great. It's like a week and a half old as of this recording at this point because we've taken so long in getting this podcast out there. But a really great chat with AJ, not just on what he thinks a second lost might look like or would look like if he were the person calling the shots on that. We're also talking about Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is coming back. That's AJ's Lost. That's AJ's show from the college years. He was obsessed with Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is coming back. So we talk about that a little bit on the podcast. I love Twin Peaks. We need to finish it. Emily Fox is a big Twin Peaks fan. We have not completely finished Twin Peaks. We're fairly close. It's always the goal on whatever vacation we take. We like load up whatever uh, episodes are left on one of our iPads. And then we like sit and we're like, we're going to watch this. And then we don't. And then we don't. And then we don't. So we're, we're waiting to treat our 
ourselves to the final like ten episodes of Twin Peaks. Oh, there's that many left. There's a decent amount left. Maybe I think that's we're why we haven't done it because it's just too much. We're kind of in the dark stretch right now, is my understanding yeah. of where we are in Twin Peaks. But we'll want to catch up in time for Twin Peaks coming back. So AJ and I are talking about that from the perspective of a beloved show actually making the comeback, and are, are there any nerves anticipating something like that? Oh, as absolutely. we absolutely there have to be. Yeah, and I mean as we've been talking about Lost Two on the podcast, that's a big theme, or at least it's something that I think about a lot if lost were ever to return how would i really feel about that would i be genuinely thoroughly excited would i be nervous so aj and i get into that a little bit that's very fun and then as a bonus at the end of the podcast aj is also going to be talking about some game of thrones action aj has just binged the whole show (laughs) is fully caught up that was an experience i'm sure oh my god that must be incredible you haven't even done the entirety of game of thrones you don't have that in you do you Oh, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Emily's not the biggest Game of Thrones fan. I'm such a letdown today. I watched the second season of Narcos. I really enjoyed it. Narcos was good. Yeah, you weren't so enthralled with it. I wasn't paying as close attention to it, which is difficult when I don't speak the language. (laughs) Fair enough. But yeah, you kept being like, what's going on? I'm like, read the subtitle. Well, I I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't. Yeah, and then you kept looking at me, and then you doodle on your phone some more. And I was like, well, you're not going to get the gist of this, so you probably should Wikipedia what actually happened. Kid. Emily's Narcos dissertation forthcoming. Yeah, we'll, we'll have that. That'll be in the future. No, I would just look up from my phone and just see uncountable levels of violence transpiring on television. Very disgusting second season of Narcos. Yeah, but necessary to kind of like tie everything up. So It was good stuff. Uh, or at least it looked like it was tie good stuff. Tie everything up and shoot it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so AJ, to get back on track, he's going to be on here. He's going to be talking about some Game of Thrones. I will send the signal flare up into the sky when we get to that point. Hopefully Mr. Friendly and his posse will not show up. But when we get to the Game of Thrones point, I will fire off the flare so that if you have not watched Game of Thrones or if you are not caught up on Game of Thrones, you can bail out of the podcast there. That's going to be the last 30 minutes or so of the podcast. How do you set off like an alarm? Is it like... Yeah, it's going to be exactly that. I will make sure that that is the noise. Usually it's some sort of lost noise, but based on your request, I will make sure that the air horn makes it onto the podcast today. Yes. I can't even listen to any of this because it's all spoilers. Yeah, so that will be <laughs> that will be Emily's last contribution to this week's podcast. will be the air horn that you hear when we signal the flare from lost conversation to Game of Thrones conversation. I, I trust everyone will let me know that it was actually used. Okay, yes. <laughs> all right. Call me out if it's not. <laughs> All right, so Emily and I, we will be back in the future with another recap. We'll determine what episode that is offline. Sorry to disappoint if anyone was really looking forward to that, but I do think that we have a really great show on Lost Lives today. I really hate disappointing people. I know you do. I hate disappointing people as well. They're the worst. They really are. All right. One more thing before we go. Josh, do you want to tell everybody what you got in the mail today? You know, I do want to do that because Emily Fox, you are officially a hero. Emily, if you guys will recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about the Dharma beer glasses that slowly went extinct in our household and finally went extinct a few weeks ago when the final Dharma beer glass that I owned shattered into at least 108 pieces. Emily Fox, you have replaced the Dharma glasses. Shout out to my man, Umberto, for hooking me up with some great choices. Yes, Humby, thank you so much. Uh, The beer glasses have been replaced. They are new Dharma stations represented on the Dharma beer glasses, I believe, off the top of my head. I don't have the glasses in front of me. It's the Swan Station, the Arrow Station, the Flame, the Tempest, 
Uh, one other, I think, did I say the arrow? Did I say yeah. the arrow? Did I say the flame? Yeah. Oh my god, I'm panicking, but I know that there's one more, and Isn't then... there an octopus or something? Oh yes, the Hydra! The Hydra station yeah. is there, and then it's just like a blank Dharma logo, and they are all super, super cool. Not dishwasher friendly, apparently. No, and they've been put in a very safe and special shelf that hopefully no one will notice so that they can remain safe. Well, that is where you are in my heart. On a safe and special shelf, Emily Fox, that is where you have always been and you are especially where there Where no now. one can find me? No one can find you. You're That's in my, a little creepy. You're in my secret place. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm very happy to have some lost beer glasses in my life again. We'll cheers later to it. Indeed, we will. All right, and that's it for Emily on this week's podcast. No episode recap again this week. Apologies for that. All great things in the Wiggler Fox household. Not entirely conducive to podcasting, but we will get back on track in the weeks ahead. Let's turn our attention to the AJ Mass portion of this podcast. I really loved my chat with AJ. I thought that we had a great conversation about Lost, about a bunch of different topics. So it's going to be a little bit free range, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Of course, we are going to start with Lost 2, my favorite subject to talk about here on the Lost Lives Returns podcasts. AJ had some ideas on that front in our most recent Lost Lives podcast. You heard his pitch for Lost 2. Let's remind you of that again before we bring AJ in. Here is AJ's version of Lost 2. Hey guys, this is AJ Metz, and this is how I see the beginning of Lost 2. We open on an eye. Because of course we open on an eye. A slow pullout reveals a disheveled man wearing a suit, lying in the middle of what appears to be a jungle. Now where have I seen that actor before? Slightly injured scratches on his face and somewhat disoriented, he struggles to get his bearings when a sound off in the distance gets his attention and he turns his head to look. A yellow lab walks up through bamboo shoots, whimpers, and darts off. The man struggles to his feet and Scott Wolf, that's the actor's name, Scott Wolf, he pulls an empty drink bottle from his pocket and runs through the thicket faster, faster, past a lone sneaker hanging from a tree. Breathing heavily, he emerges onto a beach, quiet, serene, as the camera pans. We hear the screams before we see the wreckage. People running in every direction. A man screams for his son, Walt. A man pinned under part of the landing gear screams for help. As Scott Wolf begins to run over to help this man, there's the sound of an explosion and pyrotechnics sending him to the ground. Cut! Cut! What the hell just happened? We are actually on a Hollywood soundstage, and everything we've just seen is part of a TV show being filmed. As Scott Wolf angrily storms off to his trailer, while the director reprimands an extremely apologetic stagehand who jumped the gun on his cue for the explosion, we follow instead a network executive talking to the showrunner as they head outside to the parking lot. We're way over budget already, Mr. Darlton. This opening scene alone is costing us millions, and we've already given you incredible leeway for a television pilot. Look, you said I could do anything I wanted. That was the deal. Total creative control with no network interference. Yeah, about that, Mr. Darlton. Look, the network is very concerned about the scripts you've submitted for the season. What about them? Well, look at your story. Plane crashes, ghost visions, polar bears on a tropical island, that French stuff. And you won't answer any questions by the end of the season. Quite frankly, the network is concerned that we're going to hemorrhage audience if we don't answer. I think you're missing the point. With all due respect, sir, you're missing the point. You have to make some changes. At the very least, you're going to have to show the audience what's in the hatch in the season finale. Like hell I will, sir. Look, you tell the network that they can either leave me alone or fire me. But I'm not making any changes. In my scripts, whatever happens, happens. 
Jonathan, who has by now reached his car and started the engine, drives off. Um, the network also has some concerns about how some of your more ethnic characters are portrayed. Dalton arrives at his home and slams the door behind him. A woman emerges from the kitchen, glass of McCutcheon whiskey in hand. Since I already know you don't want to talk about it, drink up. Just please tell me you haven't been fired. He drinks and they share a moment of tenderness. Not yet, but it's probably coming. It's just that they don't realize how important this story is. It has to be told in just the right way or else... Do you smell something? Suddenly, Darlton's wife collapses. The room begins to spin for Darlton, and he soon follows her into unconsciousness. It's dark for a moment. We hear whispering voices, but we can't quite make out what they are saying. Then we see Darlton's eye opening. He is tied to a wooden chair and gagged, his wife similarly restrained in the chair next to him. We pull out to reveal seven rows of six chairs, all with people, men, women, old, young, all ethnicities. All 42 people are bound to these chairs, which are on a raised platform in what is apparently the town square of a small makeshift village on the edge of the beach. We see all of the worried, confused looks on the faces of the 42 as they begin to take in their surroundings. All around them, people are going about their business as if nothing odd is taking place, exchanging greetings, laughing, eating, drinking, walking to and fro. But they are all dressed as if they've just come out of that famous painting a Sunday afternoon on the island of the Grand Jeté. Umbrellas, corsets, Victorian-looking garb, you know. Suddenly, there's a sound of machinery, and a primitive trumpet blares in the distance. Everyone stops what they're doing and scurries over to raise dais with the chairs. Next to the chairs, through a series of pulleys and levers, a man in a half-black, half-white robe is raised up, alongside a vertical Wheel of Fortune-type spinning device. There was a brief round of applause from the crowd, and then the man raises his hand. Silence. Good morning, all. Good morning, Mr. Surratt, the crowd replies in unison. It's time for the selection. We shall begin. He spins the wheel. Round and round it goes, eventually landing on number four. Please rise, number four. Nothing happens. The man in the robe nods, and two guards approach Darlton, then move past him quickly to his wife, who squirms in terror, before finally settling on the man next to her. They loosen his restraints and lift him to his feet. In the process, we see that Mrs. Darlton's gag has become dislodged, but... Wisely, or perhaps paralyzed with fear, she chooses to remain silent. The wheel is spun again, landing on 16. Please rise, number 16. As the guards go off, we see that there are indeed numbers painted on the floor of each chair and on the backs of each of the 42. Dawson is number 6. The spinning continues until six numbers have been drawn. I think you know which ones. All six are brought to the front of the platform. Thank you for volunteering. There's applause from the crowd, and immediately silence again. Your sacrifice will be remembered and rewarded. In a panicked voice, Mrs. Darlton turns to her husband and whispers, Where are we? Cut to black. Cue the lost graphic. Right, that is Lost 2, the very strange opening of Lost 2, according to the very wonderfully weird AJ Mass, who is here with me right now. AJ, how are you, my friend? I- I'm doing fine. I don't understand what you're talking about. Isn't that ex- <laughs> how everyone thinks that Lost 2 is going to start? <laughs> my head hurts so much. And I mean, I'm, a, I'm maybe I'm mildly hungover. I'm not going to say I'm not. But I think that my headache is stemming from something else. 
Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Let's discuss. Let's dive in because uh, I think it's uh, my take is certainly I understand my take is going to be coming from a completely different perspective. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I'm always worried about nosebleeds when I'm talking about Lost, but I feel like I should be especially concerned about this one. So we're going to talk that through. We're going to wipe our noses clean. We're going to get very up and up on what's going on with you and Lost. But first off, what's going on with you generally, AJ? AJ, you and I haven't talked in forever, it feels like. I know. It's been a really, really long time. I, I've been uh, on the road in Mexico uh, following death cults. And- <laughs> <laughs> Get your Fear the Walking Dead out of my lost podcast. <laughs> Ew. It's in there. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, things are good. I, I'm uh, in a nice sweet spot right now, finishing up baseball season for ESPN. I am getting ready to start football season. So uh, it's it's like uh, my my my. Sp- Sports worlds are, are kind of uh, colliding as well, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to take a break from from the double sports duty to discuss uh, some TV with you, because it has been way, way too long. Way too long. Yeah, get rid of your double sports duty and come to the place where no sports talk is welcome. You know, this is this is really the great place for you just, to be Just right golf <laughs> and perhaps the Red Sox, but other than that... <laughs> some beach ping pong is allowable, as we discussed last week. Uh, if the sport has appeared on Lost in an important way, then I'm okay with talking about it. There you go. There you go. That's why the Red Sox will never win the series. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, so, AJ, you are you are here. We're talking through Lost. First time we've had you on here talking about Lost in forever, uh, but you are one of the founding members here on Lost Lives. And even though you're popping on to talk about Lost now for the first time in a while, we will talk about this in more detail later. You've been living a little bit with Lost recently. Uh, you've You've had Lost in your life for the past few weeks, right? Yeah, it's been, it's been really great. Uh, I had shown the Lost pilot to my son, who is now 11, getting ready to start sixth grade next week. <laughs> Wild, <laughs> that's crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah, he has to go back. Really, he has to go back to school. Um, <laughs> he has to go back in time. But um, yeah, he, I showed him the, the pilot maybe three years ago because he was intrigued. We were back when we were doing the Lost List podcast for the first time, and he was like, "What is that? What? What? I want to. I want to know about it." And it was he. He's such a great kid. He was like, we watched like the first hour, and he was like. I think I'm going to really like this someday, but not right now. I remember that. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And so, like, he came up to me uh, like a couple weeks ago. He said, "I think I'm ready." And and you know, he's really into Doctor Who, and he's been watching all the uh, the Doctor Who stuff, and and he's been getting into more adult stuff. And so I was like, "All right, if you're ready, let's go." And we have started a deep dive, and we're watching, you know, two three episodes of Pop. And anytime we have a couple of spare hours, uh, we're about. Uh, we just watched the double dip of in translation and numbers, so we're about eighteen episodes in through season one, and he's just loving it. So it's it's an interesting perspective to to go back and watch it with your son, who's eleven. Yes. You know, it's just it's just a weird weird uh, revisiting, but I'm in, I'm loving it. That's awesome. All right, so we'll talk that through in greater detail later on in the podcast. But let's get to the matter at hand. Of course, what we've been doing here throughout Lost Lives Returns is we are talking to people about a theoretical lost two. what if lost itself returns one day what will that look like what does it need what has to be involved who has to come back we've had two versions of this so far on the podcast antonio mazzaro pitched a version that begins with walt mike bloom your podcast co-host aj he pitched a version that involves aaron littleton popping back into the picture 
no idea what you have done, AJ. <laughs> so you have to talk me through what was going through your head when I reached out to you and said, hey, would you be interested in coming up with your own pitch on Lost 2? Because it feels like something happened pretty quickly for you. Yeah, you, you gave me uh, the, the request, and I, I I just said, sure, I'll think about it. And like ideas just started popping into my head right away. I mean, we're talking about doing a reboot of Lost in a post-Lost world. Yes. And I think that has to be taken into account. Um, every show that has tried to capture that that initial magic of Lost has really not done a very good job because... They're forgetting the thing that made Lost so special was that it was unique. It was different. People hadn't seen a show like this before. And the people who are going to be watching Lost 2, whenever it inevitably comes back, are going to have seen Lost. So you can't do the same thing um, because then it's just another generic thing. And I don't think that I wanted to bring back any of the characters – um, because I think that story's been told. I think Lost wrapped it up. Um, yes, there are some questions that were left hanging, certainly. We all know that. And we, we all have varying degrees of, of complaints about what was left on the table. But I think presenting it to someone who has never seen the original Lost, but with a wink and a nod to the people who have seen the original Lost, I, I, I think to me what I wanted to do is envision a version of the show where it recaptured what to me was what drew me into loss, which was presenting something and then pulling the rug out of the viewer as to what they think they were seeing the whole time. You know, it was kind of like goes back to walkabout when that first time when you see, Oh crap, he's in a wheelchair. Ah, oh, wow. That's completely not what I expected. And, and to kind of like do that from the beginning saying, you think this is what we're doing, but this is not what we're doing. Right. So that's where I, that's the place I was coming from. And, and I think to me, you know, there's so much in, in the news these days about reboots of series with the, the whole Ghostbusters thing and, and the Magnificent Seven coming sure. back. And I just like, all right. What are people going to expect from a reboot if we present to them? I mean, I just envisioned like, let's, you know, leak some some trailer stuff. You know, coming going into the episode, uh, you know, the debut, and then like show like, oh, we're just recreating the pilot kind of thing. Uh, we're, we're we're doing a complete remake rather than a reboot. People will come in with a certain expectation, uh, and then just immediately yank the rug out from under them and say, no, that's not what we're doing. We, yeah. we got you. I think that to me is is the unease I wanted. Yeah. No. Well, that's kind of fun. That's sort of it's almost um, the opposite. In, in its own way, or at least it, it's related to this idea that Mike posed on the podcast last week of, uh, you know, there's this horror movie coming out. It was called The Woods, and suddenly, secretly, it was a Blair Witch sequel, and no one knew that that was coming. And that was, you know, a really cool reveal that was dropped at Comic-Con that suddenly there's a surprise Blair Witch movie coming out. And Mike was saying, wouldn't that be fun to do with Lost 2, where there's just some show that's on ABC Family or whatever it's called now, like Fuse 5000 or whatever the <laughs> the network is called or just some other abc affiliate and suddenly that show unbeknownst to anyone is lost too i feel like that's really hard to pull off in this television age i don't think that you can really keep a secret like that that being said i think your idea i i mean i i can i can see this i can see like the scott wolf intro being like plastered all over commercials you could see the poster that's being made out of that and then obviously things take a very serious left turn very quickly once we get into the plane crash of it all and we see that we're on a movie set in your version of Lost 2 and 
all of that, everything from that point forward could be withheld from any kind of marketing and you would be completely bum puzzled when that stuff starts airing. Yeah. And I think it also, it provides a way of, uh, you know, that kind of in joke stuff for the people who, who come to this, having watched the first law series, I mean, everyone's going to come in with their own baggage of what the first series left them with. And I think just addressing it coming, coming right in hard, you know, that the whole inspiration of that, um, you know, the, the, the main character being Darleton, this, this, you know, who obviously, uh, you know, we know who I'm, I'm representing there, but right. like, you know, just coming right at him and saying, look, you, you didn't answer any questions. And, and, and the first season with this cliffhanger with the hatch and like, what, you know, you no, we're not going to do that this time. And, and to kind of just come right out there and say it, look, yeah, this is what we did. We're doing something different, but it's going to have the kind of same spirit of the show. And I think to, to me, I, I didn't even realize it until like I was finished with it, but like, I mean, I just started Lost 2, essentially, with Exposé. <laughs> yeah, you did razzle-dazzle, my friend. That is exactly what happened at Exposé. We pull out, oh, it's actually a TV show. It didn't even occur to me I was doing that, but I was like, you know what? Great, great. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go down the Exposé route with this, this season. <laughs> Please tell me that Billy D. Williams has been cast as Mr. Darleton. <laughs> hey, uh, we got some Colt 45. <laughs> That'd be great. I feel like that would be really good. You know, Greedo shot first. Uh, <laughs> Did Greedo shoot first in the Lost 2 timeline is the big question. You know, I, I wanted to have fun with that, too. I got kind of like that. That's why I like the idea of Scott Wolf being like, you know, the, the, the other Party of Five star who, who may have been cast in this alternate universe, kind of the Eric Stoltz to the Michael J. Fox back to the future thing. Like, yes. Kind of you can play with that. Any flashback, you go back to, uh, you know, this new Lost universe where you can play with that. And, and you can have cameos and you can have the actors who, who were in the original show and it's built in for for that sort of thing if if you know i only had to do one scene so i didn't really think too hard into it but you know <laughs> you could certainly go down that route too i think that's fun and then once i once i did do the turn uh i kind of wanted to pay homage to one of my favorite tv shows which was the prisoner um and just the idea of of someone trying to get out from from uh the weight of their past life, which I, I, I can, you know, we know that Darlton, they, they, they just, they're, they're probably tired of hearing about lost and just to get out of it. But people won't let them get out. And that's kind of the whole plot of the prisoner where you're like, you know, this, this agent kind of wakes up and he's in this community and he doesn't know what's going on. And I wanted to kind of homage that as well. And so that's kind of where, where that came from. And, you know, then it just kind of, you know, the numbers and, uh, you know, how in, you know, in Lost, everyone was a philosopher. So here I think, well, maybe everyone will be a, an artist in, in this in this one. So that's why I have a character named Surratt and mention the paintings. And right. I think maybe art will be the thing that, that character names are hung on on this one. Um, and just, I think it was just a creepy kind of cool kind of kind of way to start and just say, yo, we're going down that rabbit hole quickly. Here are the others. Here they are. And we still don't know what's going on. Um, kind of echo the Charlie, where are we at the end, which was kind of like the big, the big, punch for for the first episode of lost yeah well what's kind of amazing i mean there's no polar bears in sight in your pitch on lost too but i feel like um you know a lot of what's what's evoked you know a lot of the emotions that you're feeling in watching the pilot and watching the two-part pilot you know there's the big action set piece in the beginning with the plane crash and jack going in and saving everybody and waking up in the bamboo jungle to start and then going into that and then by the end of the two hours you have charlie's where are we moment there's been a, a lot of WTF moments that have transpired. I feel like you're getting all of that 
in your cold open to Lost, too. Like, it feels like that emotional journey that you're on of high-octane action to start with, then things taking a turn for the bizarre, and then things getting only more and more strange and complicated and difficult to understand and feeling lost in your surroundings. That feels like that's something that you're accomplishing by the end of this scene. Well, thank you. That's what, and that's what I was trying to do. I think it, it's if we're going to do this again, I don't want to revisit um, the same show. I want to do a different show, but one that recognizes that we are in a post-lost television environment now, and we have to do it differently. But we can't forget what it was that made Lost special, and and so that's kind of the playfulness I was trying to to do by starting with the same exact open and then just going in a completely different direction, but acknowledging, hey, this actually happened, folks, and, and everyone's aware of it happening. You know, it's kind of like the opposite of Kirkman, where no one in, in Walking Dead has ever seen a zombie show. Like, that's kind of his conceit. Like, what would happen if there were zombies in a world where zombies culture didn't actually exist? Right. And I don't think you can do that anymore. I think, you know, if you're going to do Lost, you have to be aware that Lost exists. So in the universe of A.J. Mass's Lost 2... Lost is a thing. Lost is a thing that's being shot right now. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. So so Lost is being shot right now. Nobody knows what it is yet. It's still on a sound stage as far as we're concerned right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so when when this thing starts moving toward the weird, when Darleton is carted off, when Darleton and his wife are carted off to, you know, the Sunday afternoon setting that we see, is that the island in your mind or is this a completely different story that we're embarking on? Yeah, it, it is an, an island environment. It can be the same island. Like I said, I don't necessarily want to pigeonhole it just yet but it's definitely it's an isolated kind of locale and that's why i set it on a beach to kind of like get that feel of it 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 is an island i don't know if it's the island um you know where we go from here i don't know um there's so many different directions that it could go but i just wanted to like i said i wanted to capture the the feelings that i had when i watched the first couple of episodes of lost and and to me it was always the oh, I know what I'm watching, and then suddenly, no, you don't know what you're watching. And and every assumption that you made was absolutely wrong. And that's kind of, that unease is what made watching the show so great. I wonder if it's, you know, one of the things about Lost, like as it was pushing along throughout its run, I think, you know, that first season, record numbers of people coming in to check it out, and there's a drop-off along the way, and one of the, one of the steady drums from the, from the people that are critiquing the show, people who are complaining about losses, this show's gotten too weird, man, like things are too funky, it just doesn't, you know, I miss it when it was just, you know, an island show and it was like Survivor, but people were actually killing each other, uh, you know, that seemed to be something that I was hearing a lot as Lost was rolling on. Do you feel like this starts too weird? Or if we were to bring Lost back, are we already at the point where it's like, you're only on board for this if you're in for something funky? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, there are so many Lost imitators out there, and there are so many shows that are afraid to steer into their weirdness. And I think the shows that we're seeing now that actually are succeeding and building a fan base and and succeeding in intriguing the audience are the ones that know what they are uh and know that it may be a niche audience like i just started watching mr robot yes i'm halfway through episode two yeah, of, of season one uh yeah but i mean just in that first episode i mean i have a lot of 
I think I know where it's going. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been spoiled, which is great, but like, I think I know where it's going even, and I'm probably wrong, but I mean that, but I know what world I'm in like right. immediately. Like it's weird and it's different, but I know what it is. And that's the ride I want to go on. I just watched the first episode of stranger things on Netflix. Again, I know instantly what world I'm in and, and, great, I'm going to be watching that and going along for that. So I think there's definitely a place for these shows that steer into this, this niche audience. And it doesn't, not everything has to be your, uh, you know, criminal minds procedural. Um, I think there's a place for that for, for people who want to watch that. But I think for people who want to watch something a little different, be different. Don't be same old, same old. I think what's interesting about this, and, and one of the reasons why I've been really excited to talk Lost 2 through with anybody, really, anyone who wants to talk about it with me, please just ping me and I am happy to discuss Lost 2. But one of the reasons why it's it's something fun for me to think about is there are so many characters that, yes, have endings and stories conclude and a lot is resolved in the original Lost. But there are some characters that are still out there in the universe that I feel like haven't received full resolution, at least up to my satisfaction. People that, if this show were to come back, would be really fun to explore. Questions about the island that I would still love to see answered or at least addressed. You know, different aspects of the island's history that I would really love to explore. But for you, coming into this, you're really, I mean, you're such a huge Desmond guy. You're not thinking about what's the next thing for Desmond. Nothing like that is ever on your mind. Um, It's not that it's never on my mind. It's just that uh, I think... You know, if you're going to do this over, anytime you continue the same universe, if if everybody's not on board, then I don't think it works, and it's really hard to get everybody on board for something like that. And I'd rather do something new and take a chance on that than fail because, oh, you know, Henry Cusack is is busy shooting The 100 or whatever other show he's on, uh, and, oh, you know, we can't actually get Sonya Walger for, for this because she's working on, on the new Shonda Rhimes thing. You know, it, it, it becomes this, this, this thing where if you can't get everybody, I don't want to do it because I don't want to recast. I don't want to have the story be limited by who you can get. Uh, and I'd rather just, you can hint at these things, you know, if you want to do a, th- a throwaway scene in A New Lost 2 where you happen to get, you know, Desmond for, for like, you know, one day and you can shoot him in a flashback or something and, and, and have him walk through and you can say, hey, look, that, there he is, he's fine. I'd rather do that than, than to, to go halfway on the other end. Would you be up for, like, you mentioned the Ghostbusters reboot before, which takes place in a totally different universe from the first two Ghostbusters movies, but you see Bill Murray, you see Dan Aykroyd, you see Ernie Hudson coming in playing different characters. What if Jorge Garcia played Darleton? Would that be something you're interested in? Um, I, you know, if it's Jorge, great. Yeah, I mean, I'd love, you, want, you want him to be involved? Absolutely. I, I'd be thrilled. Um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily have any issues with that. I think... I'm doing my own new thing. Um, but nods to the old are great. I mean, you know, he can, if he's Darlton in like his first episode, you know, he hears a hurly bird and has no idea what the bird is saying. That's hilarious. Uh (laughs) (laughs) I I think it was just a bird. Like, no, he said, he said something like hurly. That's a stupid name. Like, you know, know, do, do the wink and the nod to the audience. Play with the audience. Let, let, let everyone know that we're in on the joke, but we're, we're, we're going to do something different. Yeah. All right. So what's going to happen to Scott Wolf next? First off, did you like uh, the little Party of Five shout out there in the music? You enjoyed that? I I love that. that. I was like, oh, is that Party of Five? 
a little awesome. detail. Listen, I got to have fun myself over here. Oh, uh, it's great. So we, we see Scott Wolf is, is the Jack in Lost for the Lost 2 universe. Is that just a fun gag, or do you see that guy popping up again? Is that how meta this gets, that the actors and the crew members involved in shooting the Lost of your Lost 2 alternate history are going to get drawn to whatever mysterious forest or island or beach or whatever this place is? Uh, you know, I, like I said, I didn't think too much into it, but well, I let's would think about it. Now. But I would love, but no, I, I'm finishing. I'm finishing. But I would love to have them continue, and 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 you know, I would love to have Scott Wolf like doing the the advanced press for this. So uh-huh. I don't. I wouldn't want him to waste all that time. Uh, but yeah, he's playing himself, and he he can talk about his his old roles, and you know, he can visit with uh, you know Matthew Fox, who could like read the script and say this is stupid, and really be commenting on something that Jack is doing, and say, oh well, if I were Jack, I would do this. Like that, that would be hilarious to me um, to have a little, you know, to be dramatic, but to have a sense of humor about it, which is what Lost always did, is to have that sense of humor and playfulness in the undercurrent. I would love for him to, I would love for them to shoot the other side of the outrigger scene yes. at some point and just, and have it be cut. And like, well, but then it doesn't make sense. It's like, look, we, look, we, we're cutting it just to deal with it. Like some, you know, something like that. I think that would be great, uh, great fun. So you would be good with, you know, a callbacks to Lost, but nothing that was taken too seriously. Like, you don't need to see the other side of the outrigger scene for real. But for that to be addressed on something like this spiritually or even just as a gag, that's more what you're interested in. Yeah, I, I think I want to leave Lost um, as as its own thing. Uh, and I, I don't want this to be... Uh, I don't want anything to happen in uh, in this Lost 2 to change how I felt about Lost. Uh, I want it to be its own thing, but again, I wanted to acknowledge that that thing happened. I, you know, whatever happened, happened. So however I feel about, you know, the outrigger, however I feel about certain characters disappearing and never coming back or certain episodes, like, dropping storylines and, like, why, 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 I still don't get why why dave is on the island that doesn't make any sense to me but who cares like you know let's 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 leave that aside let's do this own thing and it'll have its own internal logic but we can we can poke fun we can poke fun what if dave and darlton are the same person what if evan handler is playing <laughs> darlton that would be pretty darn funny <laughs> uh, what was, so what was going through your mind in coming up with this scene where the where the thing takes the turn and darlton and his wife are suddenly in this you know victorian era something or other they really have no idea how they've gotten there there's the big wheel of fortune here comes surat and the black and white robes for me it read very you know very unsettling it read as you know uh, i said things took a turn for the david lynch i could feel your terry gilliam inspirations in here i felt like maybe a little touch of the kubrick am i on point at all with any of those where, where was your head at when you were coming up with this idea well, like I said, to me, it was kind of this, this, I wanted to, to take a dark turn. Uh, I was inspired by The Prisoner, uh, which is a Patrick Bagoon series from, from the UK from like the late sixties, which it's a cult classic. And it, it, what I loved about The Prisoner and what really attracted me to it is that most of the story is in the first episode is told in the opening credits, which is what I think is, is phenomenal. Like you learn so much just watching the first like 
30 seconds opening credits. It tells you so much backstory and it's not referenced for such a long time as to, as to what actually is going on. Uh, and so to be able to do that much exposition so quickly, I think was really important because I wanted people to know what this new Lost 2 was about. And it is so different from, from where the slow build. I wanted to just let's, let's drop these people right into it. We can go to commercial break. We can come back and go back to the flashback kind of thing, uh, and 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 then start filling it in. I, I think that was where I wanted to go. And, but yeah, uh, David Lynch is one of my favorite directors. Uh, Terry Gilliam, I love, and and certainly anything that I'm going to create is going to be influenced heavily by by both of them. So uh, you're not wrong uh, in the Lynchian thing. Plus, I was at an art museum. I was at MoMA when you. Uh, That's right hit me with this idea so i was looking at this this artwork and and there were some paintings that that certainly inspire me I, I didn't actually see that particular painting but certainly that's a painting that that is prominent in not only art history but in popular culture sure. it's, it's, it's you know from paris bueller and stuff like that so yeah i i, I it that is a painting that's always held some sort of intrigue for me. And, and I got the kind of, you know, like Sunday in the park with George where the painting actually comes to life and things like that. And I thought, Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's go down that road. One of the things I think is interesting. Do you remember long ago, AJ, when you and I got onto a podcast here on poster recaps, talking about the announcement of the return of twin peaks. Doesn't that feel like forever ago? Oh, it does, and I'm still waiting. Yes, yes. So that, I'm trying to think of when that podcast was. It had to have been like 2014, maybe early 2015. You would probably have a better memory of when that news was announced that Twin Peaks was coming back for season two. In any event, a couple years ago, a little bit, a little bit of time ago, we still haven't seen the next season of Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is coming back for a third season, more than 20 years, 25 years later, uh, a long time after it finished airing uh obviously not of its own choice not of its own volition there was more to be told and now that story is going to be told in a few months about a year who really knows when this thing is going to come out but i believe it's all in the can at this point um so that's one of your favorite shows i know that you know for me lost was my college show you know that became it was a very formative thing for me watching that show with my college friends really digging into a show like that for the first time maybe ever and it certainly has heavily influenced everything i've done ever since then with my life uh it's been a very big deal show for me and for you another fellow syracuse guy you were into twin peaks when twin peaks was airing while you were in college while you were going through all of that and now it's coming back um with the idea of lost two of like revisiting sacred ground you know the the burial ground did we move the headstones and we didn't move the bodies you know (laughs) There's a lot of fears about something like that, and I think that's one of the ideas that's been interesting to me about the possibility of if Lost were to come back, would that be a real careful what you wish for type of thing? And I guess I'm just curious because you're not really into exploring the ideas of following Desmond, you know, following Hurley and following the island necessarily if Lost were to return, but Twin Peaks is coming back and probably following many of the stories that were left still dangling at the end of season two of Twin Peaks. So I'm not sure where the question is in all of this other than to say that I think you're in an interesting place to kind of weigh in on a favorite show that hasn't been touched in a very long time and is about to finally start coming back. What are your thoughts and feelings on Twin Peaks 
coming back for a return? And can you contrast that with maybe any expectations people would be feeling in a similar situation should Lost come back? Sure. Well, I think the major difference, and it's a huge difference, is that Twin Peaks did not end. Twin Peaks did not no, it was not coming back. It fully expected to come back for one more season, I think. Uh, the ending is not a nice tie-up in a bow and everybody goes off from their purgatory to the afterlife. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I mean, whether or not, we've, we've discussed this many times, whether or not you're satisfied with the final scene, there was a final scene. They attempted to put closure on the show. Um, Twin Peaks did not have that luxury. It ends on a double cliffhanger. Uh, and it's a double cliffhanger that came with a caveat because in the final episode of Twin Peaks, and this is a spoiler for anyone who wants to watch Twin Peaks, you know, skip ahead a minute or two, but it ends essentially with a, a comment that we'll see you in 25 years. Right. Um, so to me, picking up Twin Peaks 25 years later is almost built into the show's DNA. And so I, uh, <laughs> Yes, there is the aspect that a lot of the actors have passed away because of the, so much time has passed, and that's a damn shame because, you know, it would be interesting to see some... You can't revisit the characters if the actors aren't there. Right. Uh, some you know, critical but, ones, too, yeah. But all of the main characters, again, are on board with coming back, uh, and this was a story that... I don't think they had what they were going to do in mind, but they had built into that episode that... 25 years from now, there would be more story. So it just seems more organic to me. Um, and so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, if it was just Lynch left to his own devices, I'd be really scared. The fact that Mark Frost is involved um, gives me a little more calm because he was the guy who held the story together. Uh, and so I, I'm happy that he's back as well. Uh, I'm interested to see what they do. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm a, I'm scared. I'm scared that it's going to suck. I'm scared that it's it's going to be so far off the rails from Twin Peaks that I you know will end up wishing that it was its own thing. Uh, you know, you can revisit the town without having to revisit the characters. But like I said, it was built into the show's DNA that this story won't be finished for 25 years. So um, it's a different scenario there. They didn't get a chance to end it on their own terms, and now they have a chance to. And so just for that, I'm approaching it cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Uh, and, and and hoping, I, I, you know, Lynch has changed a lot also over the years. And um, I, I'm interested to see if his aesthetic has changed to the point where I no longer can identify it and appreciate it uh, as well. So there's a lot of fear going on there, but, uh, but I'm excited as well. Yeah, and I feel like that's where I would be if, you know, if I'm sitting at home some, you know, one day and I'm working on a blog post and suddenly I look at my email box and there is a press release saying lost returns. Uh, and then suddenly it says like, uh, you know, Joe Schmo and Buck, you know, Stevenson are <laughs> the new showrunners of lost. And there's no mention of Lindelof or Q's. Part of me is probably like, holy shit, lost is coming back. I can't wait for that. And the other part of me is freaking out that the original people aren't involved, that this might be a really horrible stomping on something that I really, really adored when I was younger in my life. Uh, I feel like I would be feeling all of those things. And then even if it were to say that Lindelof and Cuse were coming back, I would probably be over the moon excited, but there would always be a part of me that would wonder, 
oh god, am I am I going to look back on this thing that was so important for me, and is it going to be forever impacted by this new thing that's about to come forward for the worse? Um, that's, yeah, that's it's, fear, it's and usually tough. I'm pretty good with that kind of thing, but I feel like with something like Lost, that would be that would be the scary line that you'd be writing. Yeah, and I mean there are at some point when Twin Peaks approaches, maybe you and I can revisit some of this stuff, but like there are like two or three episodes of of the original Twin Peaks that. I, there, there, in fact, there is a 15 minute stretch, and I've said this before, there's a 15 minute stretch in, in Twin Peaks that still to this day is the greatest 15 minutes of television I have ever seen. Um, and I, my opinion on that has not wavered. And I've seen a lot of television that, that, that I've enjoyed and, and loved and gone, wow, that was really cool. Um, but it's never going to top that. And, no matter how bad uh, this revisiting of Twin Peaks ends up being, if it, if it, if it stinks to high heaven, it's not going to change the fact that that 15 minutes is still precious to me, and it doesn't color that at all. So That's usually how I feel, but I feel like it, with Lost, it's like you're crossing the line for me. I don't know, <laughs> so it would have to be perfect. I know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, the questions that I usually ask at this point as we're wrapping down Lost 2 talk would be, uh, you know, is it, it, do you believe that it is coming back? When would it be coming back? Who is a must to bring back? And who is a please, no, don't? I feel like it seems, just to skip to those final two questions, would you say everyone is a please, no, don't, and no one is a must to come back if Lost were to return? Yeah, like I said, I, I don't mind uh, if anyone from the original is involved in some way or some capacity, but I think this needs to be its own entity um, and... I certainly would love it to get the endorsement of, of the original creators, but uh, as far as storylines and actors, anyone who wants to come back, let them come back. You know, do cameos, things like that. Take on a different role, and 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 that's fine too. But I, I think you know, I think it needs to be its own thing in order to have a chance to not be weighed down by the baggage of this. The first question that doesn't get answered and. Here we go again, and the critics, and ugh, I, I just don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and then in terms of the first two questions, do you think that it is inevitable that Lost returns at some point? And if so, call your shot. When is Lost coming back? Yeah, I think uh, the first time that a Shonda show fails and ABC has an opening on the line. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think we're very close. I really do. I yeah. think we have hit that cultural moment where uh, all of these reboots and all of these remakes and reimaginings and the, and the are... Limited sequels. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's hitting... Uh, uh, a boiling point and i just it's just a matter of time before tv uh hops on this as well I, I would say that you know i could see it announced as early as as march um not 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 for this season coming up you know not 217 but 2018 i could see them announcing it or the rumors starting in march Interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know if I feel it's that close, but I do feel it's closer than maybe some people are giving credit for. I just, I get, I get this feeling. I have this feeling that that is, you know, this holy ground is going to be revisited at some point in the not too distant future. 
yeah, I, 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 it, it just seems inevitable. Um, and I'll be interested to see exactly how <laughs> and when. Uh, you know, certainly keep keep your eye on like uh, the uh, the shows that the cast are in now. But you know, oh, Hawaii Five O canceled. Okay, that frees up a couple more. Check, check. You know, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why all these jobs for Terry O'Quinn just keep you know not panning out. You know, the what, universe you didn't, wants you didn't like six 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 Park <laughs> Avenue. Yeah. the universe is keeping. Terry O'Quinn available, you know that's in you know uh, you know I believe that um, that Michael Emerson is recently free, so you know I think that the I think that the world is trying to say something to these guys. Maybe, maybe. So. All right, so let's let's talk through the original Lost. Let's talk through OG Lost, which you are experiencing again right now, watching alongside your son. That's such a great story that he remembered. Uh, you know, one day I think I'll really appreciate this, and that day has arrived. A few years later, your son approaches you and wants to watch Lost. Tell me how the journey is going so far. Uh, it's been great. It's it's so interesting to watch uh, the show. First of all, for me to watch, I I don't think I've done a full rewatch uh, at all uh, since the show aired. I, you know, I've watched episodes here and there, but you know, I'm going in from the beginning and we're doing a rewatch, and so just that experience is is fascinating. But watching it with my son, who's 11, and to watch these shows from the perspective of a father now and you know season one is so michael walt heavy um like that's an interesting thing to to watch to see that relationship from the point of view (laughs) of a father and you know the whole fathers and sons thing with jack and his dad and and, like these these themes like are hitting me a lot differently than obviously when i was watching the show when it first aired. So there's that. And just watching his reaction to the show to see, to hear him laughing at the same, you know, jokes and like, you know, Hurley is his favorite character. Obviously. Obviously. Um, like I said, we just got through, um, the combo of in translation and numbers and like, just the fact that he like laughed out loud and thought, the end of in translation when uh, the diegetic music kind of disappears because Hurley's batteries run out and you know, he's old enough to get that joke. He thought that was hilarious. And he was just like, like, couldn't wait. I, t- I told him that the next episode was a Hurley episode. He's like, put it on, put it on, put it on. So, like, you know, just the excitement uh, of, of watching him wanting to get some story and what happens next. It, it's just a delight. And, you know, from your experience, obviously the show is holding up. I think that that's one of the things that, for me, just in thinking back on Lost and thinking back on, you know, like the picture quality and just how beautifully it was shot. You know, this is, you know, more than 10 years ago at this point, but does it feel like it could have been shot yesterday? And does it feel like your son is responding to this and, and not looking back at it as like a quote unquote classic show that this is a show that could be on right now. Oh yeah. I mean, we did, we actually just got a new TV um, and it's, it's, you know, the super 4k HD or whatever it is. And uh, it's amazing. The, the, the beach scenes, especially it's like, it's, it's gorgeous. It's like, it's shot great. The, the, you know, the music is, is not one of these things where you, it immediately dates it as being, Oh, it's one of these eighties soundtracks or nineties soundtracks. Like it, it, you know, the music holds up. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, watching the acting, I mean, we, we forget that, you know, we've developed all these biases and prejudices about some of these characters uh, because we know what they do. And quite frankly, I am so much more impressed with like Evangeline Lilly's acting than I ever have been. I still hate Kate. Still, uh-huh. hate, still <laughs> the flashbacks are awful. 
I, I, for, I mean, I knew I didn't like <laughs> the Kate flashbacks. They are god awful to slog through. They're tough. But she's great. Like I, have, I, I, I guess because I was so interested in the story and trying to figure it out, like she's doing some stuff in the background that like is just really, really good. Yeah. I, I'm really impressed with her. Like more so than I ever have been. And I think, you know, that's that's phenomenal to watch. Like uh, my how my impressions of these people. Like I don't hate Shannon Maggie Grace as much. You know, <laughs> I, mean, I hate Shannon Boone. But right. like even the acting there is like all right. Summerhalder's still awful. But <laughs> he's not good. He's not good. We don't have to make a pile. Apologies for Ian Summerhalder as Boone, but but yeah, like I like oh okay, like she was doing stuff here. She just wasn't, you know, it didn't really work story wise. But like yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there acting wise. I mean, and, and Terry O'Quinn is just phenomenal. I mean, just uh, but we knew that, like you know, I, and I'm, I'm just I'm 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 giddy in the hopes of of getting him to now. So you know, when do we get to Michael Emerson? Wait, like, like like come on, let's go, let's go. Because quite frankly, this first season is freaking long. It is. <laughs> it is. Wow. It, it, it is really long, and it's also, you know, it's slow in terms of the storytelling. Um, I mean, a lot happens, and the episodes feel frenetic, and there's a lot of urgency in terms of, you know, midway through the season, Charlie and Claire getting captured and everything. But when you compare it to the later seasons and how much is happening, especially in those final three seasons, where the plot is just moving forward, forward, forward at a breakneck pace, you go back to the days of season one, and it really is island life, you know? You really yeah. are chilling on the beach. Well, and I think I think it, it is it really in retrospect now. I think one of the greatest things that happened to television, and probably was inspiring kind of this new age of television, that writers' strike helped a heck of a lot because you you don't have shows with twenty five episode seasons. Uh, you know, it's all these sixteen episodes, and you will even break that sixteen down into an eight and an eight, and you know, which has always been the British model. And I always thought, why don't we do the British model? Let's let's have a show with like eight to ten episodes, beginning, middle, end, and if people respond and like it, then you pick it up for a second season and do a, a second cycle of it. Um, and that's what we're doing now with shows. You know, we we cover The Walking Dead on on Pope Show recaps, and and it's like it's it's nice. It's eight. It's eight. Boom, 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 and and you get to. You you know, we get these shows on USA and Netflix, 10 episodes, 13 episodes, boom, boom, boom. Oh, it was great. Stranger Things. Let's pick it up for a second season. Things like that. The leftovers, like, you know, small doses, Game of Thrones, small doses. I think that is much more beneficial to us as viewers and the creativity. I mean, Lost is great. But, uh, you know, if you had trimmed that 25 down to 16, wow. I mean, to be able to cut out those filler episodes, I mean, we love the show now. Imagine how much more we would have loved it uh, if you got rid of some of these lesser kind of stories that didn't need to be told. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I would cut from season one just off the top of my head, like which episodes I would cut. And immediately, whatever the case may be, you are gone. Uh, you are, you've been fired, whatever the lingo will be. Uh, what else? Yeah, that was bad. That's that a, was really, it's really a really bad. tough episode. That's a bottom, bottom. Well, bottom and I'm about, I'm about to hit, I think a couple of slow ones. I mean, the whole do no harm is, uh, well, I, th- I mean, we disagree on that. I think that the t- I'm just talking about the, the, the flashbacks more sure. than anything else. Uh, like, like the island stuff is great, but the flashbacks, it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, Lost is at that point in season one, probably starting at the midpoint where the flashbacks are a little bit tedious. Yeah, I didn't need the second Charlie flashback with the with the office job. Home, yeah, homecoming, you know. yeah. Uh, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. What does your son think about the flashbacks? Does that stuff bore him? 
Um, he, you know, he loves when, you know, like Sawyer walking in the background and things like that. I think he, he, when he, when he, when he sees the, the, the lives starting to weave together, I think that stuff he really enjoys. Um, he, he actually, uh, he's a very perceptive kid and like, uh, the episode where it's the Sawyer backstory, uh, and I'd forgotten Jeff Perry was, was the not Sawyer that he kills. Just like amazing. Like see actors like years later, like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> it, it's from Scandal. Yeah. Well, uh, such a bit role for that guy too. Yeah. But, um, no, but like, so like he's, he's talking with Jack's dad in the bar and everything. And, you know, then he comes back to the island and, uh, you know, we're like, oh yeah, like, uh, yeah, that was your father. Like kind of like, and he's like, yo, what? Yeah, duh. Like, you know, so like you know, he's like you know, even he's like you, you, you don't you don't have to hit us over the head with it. Like you know, there's a lot of that in the first season for like you know they're trying to help the remedial lost watchers that you have to pay attention. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that going on. So what what's he enjoying about the show? Is he, is it more the moments? Is it more the characters? Is it you know the the beat to beat stuff? Is he concerned about the overarching mystery? Is he concerned about the overall mythology of the show, or not quite yet? And do you expect that to be something that he's going to be interested in? Uh, I think I think you know we're kind of building in that uh, because we're not binging it straight through. We're watching like two episodes at a time. Uh, and then we take a break for a couple of days until he asks again. So I wait, I always let him initiate. Um, and then, you know, when he starts asking a couple of days in a row, I'll say, all right, we'll do it on Friday. You know, like when I have the time, but, um, I, I think I'm trying to build in that, uh, that anticipation. Cause I think it's important for this show is like, you know, you can easily just go bang, 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 bang. Uh, and get the answers. But I think part of the enjoyment was, you know, that's why I wanted to stop after numbers. Like, you know, the numbers are on the hatch and he was just like blown away by that. Yeah. Like, like oh, and so, you know, we're in the car yesterday. He's like, well, how did the numbers get on the hatch? <laughs> like, it's like, that's that, you know, the fact that, you know, he's, he's getting the, the mysteries and then like really involved in that. Uh, and, you know, laughing at some of the stuff, like, you know, when Hurley, you know, wins the lottery and he's, and he's like, laughing like oh that's why he didn't care that he lost the money to, to walt he does have the money like he's he's piecing piecing it together and, and great. it's great to see a, a young mind like working on that and i, I could tell it's the mystery stuff that everybody likes he he really thinks Locke is creepy and he wants to know what's going on with him a little bit more what, what what's what's under the surface there and uh he finds Jin very boring but but uh-huh. Jin hasn't done a lot yet and i think you know uh at least in in translation we're finally getting to see him interact with people now and and so uh you know he had said just before that episode not knowing that it was a gin episode he's like i I don't get his point i don't i don't get it and like now he's like oh okay so like he's working on it does he have a least favorite character of hurley is his favorite does he have someone who's just bottom of the pack oh he's such a diplomat that he doesn't want to uh diplomat yes yeah but uh, you know i i can pretty much tell that he he rolls his eyes whenever shannon's on the screen so (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, well, I think I think it's fun that you know he is ripping through Lost for the first time, and you get to watch him go through that. And for your own experience, you know how this story ends. You know how these characters wrap up. You know that uh, that your son's going to be very very happy when his favorite character is the Grand Pooba of the island. When all is said and done here, but for you, what are you taking in in terms of your own personal enjoyment of Lost? Is it really more of a savoring the moment type of thing rather than tracking? any arcs or looking at where they started seeding things early on 
like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it with the fresh eyes because I'm, I'm really watching the backgrounds. Um, you know, I know what's going to happen, so I don't really have to pay too much attention. Obviously, you know, when we get, get up to, you know, certain scenes and certain speeches that I know are coming, you know, live together, die alone. Of course, I'm going to sit there and listen to Jack deliver that speech, um, you know, with great gusto, but I'm looking more in the backgrounds and stuff and I'm trying to watch the acting behind this, the, the, front and center stuff going on, which is where I noticed all of the stuff that, um, you know, Evangeline Lilly is doing. There's so much stuff going on in the background. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing some stuff that doesn't necessarily work that I, that I probably missed the first time around. Uh, um, but it's fun. It's fun to, to, to look at it and, and to really see all the work that was going on that, that you didn't notice the first time through or the second time through even because, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm really just focusing on, on different things now and, and the perspective of time. Like I said, I'm a different person. So certain lines resonate a lot differently. And like the, the Michael Wall thing didn't really interest me at all. Um, when I watched it the first time through, I, I couldn't relate to those characters in the slightest. And now that, storyline is really intriguing to me and and watching and, and listening to some of the dialogue from from their interactions it, it just it just resonates differently doesn't hurt that uh harold perrineau is a badass and a phenomenal actor yeah he's and, great you know, i love oh, him oh, so always much. has been yes. i mean he was he was great uh as as the uh the quote-unquote narrator poet from from oz Augustus so, like, hill yes yeah i lo- loved him in that and like i said you know and and, and you know i the only reason i watch z nation now is because when they first promoted it, it was like, and Harold Perrido is going to be on. And I was like, oh, it's a show starring Harold Perrido. He was, and the, they, he was the Scott Wolf of Z Nation. Yes, he was the bait and switch, <laughs> and which, which was fine. But even in his one episode, it was, yeah. I was like, all right, cool, cool. He was great. He was phenomenal. But it, they bait and switched me. <laughs> that's, really, that's really funny. Um, all right, so, so you're, you're going through it a couple episodes at a time, basically, as your son is demanding it. You're letting him dictate the pace. But one of the things that we wanted to talk about, too, on here is just sort of the idea of binging your way through a show, which I imagine is probably people who are experiencing Lost for the first time. I would expect a bunch of them, if not the majority, don't have the same level of restraint that your son is exercising that are probably just ripping straight through Lost maybe in a weekend or a week. It's the summer. You know, the summer is just wrapping anyway. Uh, so I feel I feel like that's probably how people are discovering it. For you, and this is where we can start shifting into some Game of Thrones talk, uh, maybe we'll keep the spoilers on the side for now at the very least. I know that you just went through Game of Thrones. You just caught up on everything before season six or during season six? While yeah. season six was I actually caught up about, uh, I think I watched the last episode the morning of the premiere. So I, I had, I, I, my intention was, was to catch up in time for the premiere. And I was like two episodes short and like, just like that morning, like crank through it just to make sure I was all caught up to catch, uh, this season's premiere live. But yeah, I streamed it all in a, uh, a month. Uh, you know, I, I, I usually, I did a season at a time or five episodes and then the next day I do five episodes and the next week I do five and five. So I was, I was catching up pretty quickly, uh, in a hurry to, to, 
get up to speed. And so how do you feel your grasp of a show like that is? Because I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I certainly have my shows that I have binged through, uh, and I feel very close to those shows, but I'm sure that it's different than if I had spent the week to week. For example, I just tore through The Americans, uh, saw every single episode of The Americans over the course of four weeks, and it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. But probably ask me, I mean, ask me tomorrow, ask me next week, I will have great recall for everything that happened on The Americans. But ask me in two months, am I going to have that, you know, specific detail driven recall for what happened in episode six of season three? Probably not. Um, How do you feel that has impacted something like Game of Thrones? And how do you feel like that impacts people's enjoyments of shows maybe like Lost as an example? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because part of the thing that it was built into loss certainly was that week off to kind of speculate and and certainly at the end of the season, I mean, how many of us were were there? You know, what's in the hatch? What what's in the hatch? Right. What's in the hatch? And you know, we had a long time to think about it. Um, the thing with Game of Thrones, I, I think binging probably really worked for me because. I would say that I was not impressed with the first episode. Let's just start right off the bat. I didn't think the first episode was very good. Well, there was a lot of a lot of uh, behind the scenes brouhaha about that first episode. Lots sure, of, lots of reshoots, recasting, lots of drama, lots of turmoil behind the scenes on that. But I I understand that completely. Okay, okay. Let's let, let's dive in. And I'm like, okay. So the first episode, they throw a little boy off a tower. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch this sure. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's well. That's one thing that is great about that first episode of Game of Thrones is it really tests pretty quickly. Like, are you going to be okay with this stuff? Because if you're not okay with some of this stuff, if you're not okay with a kid getting thrown out of a tower, if you're not okay with these siblings just banging the bejesus <laughs> out of each other, then you might have a problem with Game of Thrones. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but no, no. So I, I think. A lot of the complaints that I had heard, and I had heard a lot of complaints, and I, I had done my best to avoid particular spoilers because I wasn't paying attention. Like I, I knew all the names. I had heard, of course, of the Lannisters, and I, you know, Daenerys Targaryen. That name, I had no idea whether it was a guy or a girl because it's not exactly the most common name in the world. But I, I, I knew the names, and you know, I knew that uh, you know Peter Dinklage has won awards, and uh, I had I knew that Ned, uh, you know his fate and i knew there was a red wedding though i didn't know what it was so like there were certain things i knew to expect but i didn't know the specifics and but knowing those details actually did not bother me and in fact i'm all the more impressed with the show having binged it because they still all these moments still worked and still landed um, with, I think, the appropriate impact, uh, even with me knowing that they were there. I think that's the testament of, of, of a quality show. Yeah. Uh, so there, there was that aspect of it. Um, but, but a lot of the complaints I heard is, is the pacing and like, oh my gosh, and like the, the, nothing happens, nothing happens, and like they spend all this time and like you know it's season five and and you know she still is like one town over from where she started and <laughs> like things like that. Obviously, this last season, well, we can get to the this last season and how that changed uh the magical travel right. but um <laughs> travel yeah, by I, map became very common all over westeros absolutely like really paris really uh, <laughs> but um yeah I, I just found that i didn't have that issue of nothing happened this season because i was watching it so quickly 
Um, all right. Well, let's let's dive into some. This is the end of Lost Talk and the beginning of some serious Game of Thrones conversation because AJ and I we really wanted to talk about Game of Thrones while the season was going on. Didn't happen while we were while we were on for Game of Thrones season six, but now is our chance to talk about some Game of Thrones stuff. So full tilt spoilers from this point forward. If you have not seen Game of Thrones, if you plan to see Game of Thrones, if you don't want to hear about Game of Thrones. Good time to check out. Otherwise, stick around. We're going to talk about all of that. And I feel like the best way to frame it, let's let's frame this through something of a lost lens, at least. Maybe let's get, like, the top eight AJ Mass hot takes about Game of Thrones on the board. <laughs> so, something like that, if that works for you. Uh, top eight. I'll oh, start with four. We'll see how far we right, get. Yeah, we, can, we, can, we, can shoot, we can shoot for four, but if there's more than four, then we yeah, got to yeah. go to eight. You know the rules. <laughs> exactly. Oh, nine. Crap. I got to go for six more. <laughs> yeah. Stop yourself at eight, please. I have somewhere to be in a half hour. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's see. Let's, let's start right off the bat. Like, like I was saying, like, I think the, the big, Water cooler moments, like I said, they, they hold up even if you know they're coming. Um, so like Ned, I knew Ned Stark was, got his head cut off and, and, and died at the end of season one. I knew that. Um, that was that you, you can't really follow pop culture and not have had that leak into your consciousness. So, or if so, then you are a magical divine creature and I would like to study you as a science experiment because yeah, that would there, be pretty incredible. Yeah. Like I said, there were, there were certain things that I knew. I knew that I knew the red wedding and there was a lot of death, but I didn't know which wedding, um, which which, which is great because uh, I think maybe people don't necessarily remember, but there were a lot of weddings on the way. And so every time there's a wedding, I'm expecting this to be the red wedding because I didn't know when it happened because I'm watching so far after it that I didn't know which season it took place in. So it's like, oh, okay, Rob's getting married. Did it happen here? No, it doesn't happen here. Okay. Oh, they're getting ready for Sansa's wedding. Okay, is it going to happen? No. Okay, no. Okay, that's not going to happen. Like, oh, it's good. Like, I don't know when it's happening. So when it does happen, um, it still took me by surprise. I mean, I kind of, you know, when the doors start to close, I'm like, oh, crap, here it is. Um, and it still works because it's, it's incredibly brutal. It's, it's, it's horrific. It's... But, you know, knowing that there's a Red Wedding didn't spoil it. Um, I I think uh, a lot of shows, if you hear, oh, and then there's the scene where this happens, uh, you go to watch it and like, oh, well, well, I knew it was coming. Uh, TV shows do that all the time. Like, and and you'll never guess who dies in the last five minutes. Like, oh, well, why did you tell me that? You know, kind of thing. Um, This, I mean, it's still held up and it's still awesome. So, uh, you know, and I knew that there was a scene where, where Lena Headey walks naked, like, that was like huge news and so but again getting to it like i'm so immersed in the story that it you know by the time i got to shame 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 it was like uh, i didn't remember that i was waiting for it and i was like oh this is the scene so uh, i i think it's well written enough that um the big moments are big moments because they're big moments yeah, no, I think that that's a great way of describing it. And I mean, I also had the Ned Stark thing ruined for me. I knew that he was not going to make it out of there. Uh, 
due to my own stupid Googling and I got myself ruined on it. I have no one to blame but me. Uh, but I knew that going into it before I even read the first book. Um, I think I was halfway through the first book and I was just like doing some family tree studying. It's like, yeah, Eddard Sark executed. I was like, shit, <laughs> crap. Oh, God. Uh, didn't know when it would happen or how it would happen, but obviously knew he wasn't going to make it out of it alive. Uh, and even then, like, it became kind of like, all right, well, now I should start be like, you know, I should start sensing some danger you know how how is this going to creep on him what is he getting himself drawn into and in its own way that enriched the experience my you know the short time that you get to spend with ned um so i i actually really enjoyed that and i think that there are there are these huge water cooler moments all throughout game of thrones and the conventional thinking would be if you know that stuff in advance you're not going to enjoy it or at least not enjoy it as much and i don't know if that's true i think that you can enjoy it differently um but i think that you know if if a story is you know contingent on some sort of massive twist or some sort of massive reveal and not knowing those things in advance in order for it to fully succeed then i think maybe you've got a little bit of an issue with the story itself i think if you can't appreciate seeing the bullets coming if you can't appreciate the moves that are being put into position to pay off a big story to you know if you can't watch the sixth sense knowing the twist the whole time and knowing that that's really clever how they're you know treating their main character and everything like that i feel like that's really the important stuff as long as you can still enjoy all of that then you've got the sense that you've got a really good story on your hands and i think with game of thrones much more often than not and maybe all the time even knowing many of those big twists coming up perhaps not knowing when they're going to land or the full extent of what is involved in a red wedding. I think that you can still really, really enjoy the show. Uh, I don't think that any of that takes away from game of Thrones. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, in, in terms of what you said earlier about the, the binging and this will be, I guess, hot take number two uh, in terms of the, the binging uh, and you might remember it in the moment, but like two months later, because you're not immersed in it over time, uh, are you going to forget everything? Like, yeah, I need, I need the primer. I need, I need the, the previously on to remind me. I, I recognize characters, but I sometimes forget their names and, or when a, a name is mentioned, I'm like, okay, now which one was that again? Because there's so many freaking characters to yes, introduce. Yeah. And if you compress the time, uh, you know, when, when suddenly, you know, uh, you know, someone else pops up and like, you know, I, I, I had to refresh my memory and go, oh, Mormont. Okay, yes, because he do, they don't call him, you know, Jorah Mormont. Okay, right. I get it now. Like, you know, like, things like that I have to, like, do some refresher on. Yeah, and uh, like my experience, you got to be really careful about Googling the family trees. Like, you, this is not a show where you really want to go out and ruin that stuff for yourself, but it's hard to keep track of a lot of these lineages and who is a Targaryen and who is a Lannister and who is, you know, who is this ancestor? Why is that person important? Um, and so there's a, there is a big temptation to go online and look all that stuff up, but that's how you get burned. So I can imagine that it can be hard to keep track of, especially if you're trying to digest it all so swiftly i mean i know plenty of people who watch it week to week very very good friends of mine who can barely name peter dinklage's character uh, <laughs> which i mean that feels like you know by now you should know who Tyrion lannister is uh but that idea that it could it could be really hard to keep track of a lot of different people yes yes and and and, and well that leads me i guess into number three which is dinklage is awesome yes uh, you know, I remember not watching Game of Thrones and seeing all the awards shows and then him getting, you know, nominated and winning, you know, left and right. And, and you know, uh, you know, how many award shows are like, dun, 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 dun. oh, God, they won again. Like, I don't watch this show. Like, and that was kind of my reaction. Uh, 
and sometimes shows like that, you know, when they start winning everything and you know you, these shows win and I don't watch them, I just I start to resent them and everything. But like I get it. I get it now. Like this this is a different show when he is on screen and uh I think he's the best actor on the show by far. I agree. And I like I said, I I can endure him doing just about any scene. I mean, he's great when he's like, you know, with Varys and, and, and doing the machinations and everything. And, and I, I love every scene he's in, but like, I could even endure the stupid drunken stuff with, with gray worm and <laughs> you know, like, which isn't the greatest for the plot, but it's like, you know what? It's Dinklage drunk. Let me watch. Right. So like this, basically you're talking about season six because that's yeah, really I, all he had to do. Right. And, and there, but you know, if it was a lesser actor, be like, Oh God, are we here again? Yeah. yeah. Need I say, you know, <coughs> Gillian Samson. Sure, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, stop making fun. Uh, yeah, I think with uh, enough distance and some perspective on the season, it's a really Tyrion light season this past se- season of Game of Thrones. Season six, he really doesn't do a lot. But there are some really wonderful Peter Dinklage moments, like when he sees the dragons for the first time, or even his meetings with the masters, or even those drunken moments with Grey Worm and Missandei. I think that on reflection, I think that those scenes will play a lot better than they played in the week to week. And it probably is really good for the show overall to have season six focusing on pushing forward the stories for people who really need that in the way that Tyrion has been fleshed out so much, really needed this to be the season of John and Danny getting their grooves back, Sansa being able to do everything that she is doing. And there's just, you know, there's only so much screen time economy to go around. And I feel like with someone like Tyrion and with someone so incredible like Dinklage playing him, you really can just give him some fun acting moments that aren't going to be huge plot propellers. And that's probably enough, at least for a season. Probably not for the long term, but if season six is going to be a light season for Tyrion, I don't think that's the end of the world. And I was a little bummed about it during the airing. But looking back on it, I think it's okay. Yeah, and um, on the flip side of that, I, I have to say that when I first, I, I think I even mentioned this to you when I first started watching, like, I thought that uh, NCW, Nikolai Kostiwaza, was like in the wrong show. Yeah, like, I remember you saying that. Like, I just didn't get like you were his not choices. A, you were not a Jamie Lannister guy. Yeah, it wasn't even Jamie Lannister. I just, I just thought the character was like everybody else was doing this period piece from you know the, the this oldie timey thing, and he was like stuck it, in New Amsterdam. Yeah, like, what are you doing? Like he's like this kind of Indiana Jones ish kind of like. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a completely different show that he was in, but. Over the course of of the seasons, I I, I now I, I he's adopted and adapted uh, what he was doing, and whatever uh, happened in terms of his performance changing, it changed, and now he's he's also a delight to watch, and and he he's got nuance and levels and stuff, and part of it is that his story has become a little bit more uh, meaty, but. Um, you know, when in the beginning, I just I just thought he was like a mustache twirler, and I didn't quite get him. Did you like it when he went to Dorne? I didn't hate it, but you know, that's I just again, that's it's 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 that storyline didn't work. Um, but I I just think it just didn't work because it was extraneous and didn't work. Uh, I I am not as much of a hater of the Sand Snakes as everybody else is. I think uh, I just needed to connect a little bit more with the uh, with the rest of the plot there. And uh, you know I like I like his relationship 
Brooks with uh, with Braun and, and, and uh, Bran, 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 Bran. Yeah, Bran and Bran, Bran and Bran. This one's Bran. Bran is the guy he yeah, pushed out with the Br- I like his relationship with Bran. I think yeah. that's funny. And Bran's a great, great character to, to watch his, like, uh, you know, he, he's almost like the uh, the Hurley of the show, the outside observer who kind of throws in the fan point of view. So yeah. I, 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 I like their relationship. So the fact that that was explored a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was... It was it was like we don't know what to do with him this season. Quick, send him to Dorn. You yeah, know? <laughs> that's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. The whole Dorn thing felt very bungled, especially from the book reading perspective. That was really tough. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I I enjoyed that. I, I think uh, th- I guess my next hot take. We'll go to eight. Okay, here we go. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're con- we're counting Nikolai Kosterwaldo is better than we expected as number four. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so let's go on to number five. I would say that the show is best served when there's a mustache twirling villain uh, and doesn't work when there isn't one. Okay. Um, and you need that kind of seasonal arc of, of the bad guy. And I, I think the show took a huge hit, I think, in terms of, of figuring out who it was once you start killing off your your main bad guys so and, starting with joffrey basically right when joffrey left i mean it was it was a great fun show to say oh i hate joffrey he's horrible and now he's dead like oh crap now what are we gonna do and 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 you know charles dance came in it was great as tywin at that point like okay good all right so he, he's gonna immediately jump in and fill that void and, and be the bad guy like okay now he's dead crap um and i think it took them a while at that point to figure out who the next big bad guy is and you know when it's ramsey it's like great okay now okay all right oh we're because I, I think getting rid of the High Sparrow is great because High Sparrow could not fill that void for another season. No. Um, not so, without Rob Sesternino quitting the podcast. <laughs> and, and I love Jonathan Price. I, I think he's, he was great in that character. But yeah, if he was going to be the big bad, it's not going to work. Um, and I don't necessarily think we have any big bads left except for the ultimate big bad. So um, I think... It, they really have Are to. Are you just, making fun like, of Sam again? Is that what that was? No, that was not a. <laughs> no, but like, you know, even, even like you know, the, the 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 watch leader, like he's not really a big bad, you know. <laughs> you know, he's like like good. We hung him. Great. <laughs> he's done. Um, you know, I, you know, there's Littlefinger is still on the board, obviously, and there's so no much... the big bad right now. Obviously, we we have to deal with the White Walkers. We have to deal the... with the White Walkers. I mean, in terms of human antagonists. I think that it's really it's Littlefinger right now, and Cersei is obviously off the you know really off the edge at this point. Uh, but in terms of are, is there a Tywin on the show? Is there's no longer even a Ramsay on the show? We got rid of that guy, and I do think that that's a that's a concern of mine moving forward into the show. Is who is the human face of evil that we really want to punch? Because as cool as the Night King is, and as cool as the White Walkers are, don't think we're going to be getting many meaty dialogue heavy scenes from those guys. Right. I don't and know I, that they're going to be twirling their mustaches anytime soon. Yeah, and that's that's the void that I worry about for the upcoming season. Is, I agree. Is, is that there isn't one, there isn't an obvious one. And sure, you can introduce one, but at this point, I don't want you to introduce one. I, you got so many characters that are not getting service now. Um, it's not going to be organic at this point. And yeah, I love all these alliances. And, and quite frankly, I'm afraid it's going to be, uh, you know, what's his face from the from Ironborn? Uh, <laughs> oh, um, he, wow. I'm even blanking you're on Greyjoy. yeah i i think that's who they're going to build up to be because obviously all the characters 
you know, it, it's in the kingdoms, and you know, now we have Daenerys and uh, Yora and, and Theon together. So, like, that that seems to be the logical, organic one. But I, I don't, I, I just, I don't feel it. It'd be cool. Sea battle, sea battle could be fun. <laughs> It'd be quick, probably. There's dragons involved. There's that's, dragon. the good, that's the they good have, news, right? They have dragons. We, we got to get to the White Walkers. That's, that's the There's nothing left except the White Walkers. Yeah. I'm sorry. There just isn't anything left. Winter is here. Winter's Let's go. Here. We got to go. We got to go. All right. What's hot take number six? Hot take number six of all the Starks. Arya Stark is the best Stark. That is a hot take for sure. And by hot take, I mean you're very much on the side of all of the rational human beings. Yes, but um, I, like a lot of people were just like, I, th- I think I, I saw a lot of pushback to how much time she spent in Bravos and and this this uh, you know a girl has no name storyline and how that kind of just lingered and lingered and lingered. Yeah, I two full seasons basically. I, I could not get enough of it. Interesting, and, and, and especially binging through it the fir- the first uh, half of it. Um, I I I love Arya Stark. I I, I when she's on the screen, that storyline just just popped for me, and I couldn't get enough. I, I just I just wanted to see more. <laughs> you know, she's phenomenal. Um, and Macy Williams nominated for her first Emmy for this year. Yeah, it's the subtle stuff. It's it's just it's the it's the dead look on her face and the <laughs> when she sees the play and it just I, I just think she's amazing and uh, I just want to see more and more Aria. So like I would watch the show Aria walks on the road doing nothing like she's just she just fascinates well me, so. arguably those are some of the best episodes like where Arya and the hound are on the road when they're on the king's road or when they go into the tavern they're gonna i'm gonna have every chicken in this room you know like those are that that period of time Arya and the hound together is one of my fondest moments uh, one of my fondest memories of game of thrones for sure yeah, but I had no issue with her spending, you know, all that time, you know, blind and, and, and you know, just training with the waif. And, like, yeah. did I hate the whole T2 uh, turn that at the end of that took? Yes, absolutely. That was stupid. Was but, that was, yeah. but that was all in one episode. Like, you know, I, I had no issue with anything else in that storyline. I thought it was it was fascinating. And, and uh, like I said, uh, I know there are a lot of uh, huge Sansa fans out there. And uh, I... She bores me. Okay, fair enough. We're not going to get into a fight on the air about this. But <laughs> as soon as I hit stop, AJ, that's an off-the-air argument we'll have. No, I get it. I, she's not for everybody. She's my cup of tea. Big Sansa fan. Uh, but uh, to get back to Arya, uh, I'm curious what you think the future holds for Arya. By the end of Season 6, she's back in Westeros. She kills Walder Frey. She has many of the abilities that she has learned at the House Stragoy. of Black and White. Stragoy. Yeah, she still has a lot of that's still under her belt. She's still able to, you know, change her face. She's able to go incognito. She has all of these skills as an assassin, trained assassin under her belt. She was already a competent killer, but now she is pro. Where do you see things going for Arya, given the landscape of the show right now? Oh, who the heck knows? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, well, I think like it's more straightforward for certain characters. Like, you know, John is going to fight the White Walkers and you know that he's going to meet up with Danny at some point because there's this shared Targaryen thing that needs to get out onto the table. You know that people are coming for Cersei, but Arya, I feel like could go in many directions, right? Now. I, I think, I mean, I think she's headed to King's Landing and trying to get the next names off her list would make sense. Um, even though King's Landing isn't there anymore in the same way. <laughs> Big explosions. They're going to be spending time rebuilding. Uh, yeah, I think King's Landing is where she's headed off. I think it's too soon to reunite the entire family. 
Uh, and so I think that's going to be like a, a, the last thing that happens. I, you know, the, the, the great thing about, uh, it's, it's great and it's bad. It's like, because she's got this assassin face skill now is that she could be on the show and we don't know it. Right. <laughs> um, so, Hey, Maisie, you want to shoot that movie? Go ahead. Are you still on the show? Well, that's what I, that's what I like to say that like everybody could be Jake and Hagar, like every single person on yeah. Game of Thrones might be him. Yeah. Uh, so. And now it's the case for Arya too. Yeah, I think I, I think King's Landing is where she she or Arya one, up. not Arya two, of course. Arya two yeah. is dead. Or IP Arya two. T two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Judgment Day. But yeah, I, I, that that's where I would I would send her. Um, just because I think it's too soon to reunite everybody. I think that's like a last season kind of thing where the Starks all get back together and end up, you know, back home. Fair enough. All right, hot take number seven. The penultimate hot take. The penultimate hot take so so the when i first said i was going to watch game of thrones and, and announce the uh announce you know i'm sure everyone was waiting for my announcement i was waiting i was waiting for the announcement <laughs> i was under embargo yeah well i so i first said it uh antonio mazzaro uh said that i was varus he said that you were varus <laughs> he said that the character that i he that okay. i most reminded him of was varus okay uh, Do you take that a, as a compliment now that you've seen the show? Well, like I said, uh, this is, yeah, so when I first you know watched the first couple of episodes, I'm like, uh, what are you trying to say, Antonio? Because, you know, <laughs> A, I have a kid, so clearly I'm not Varys. <laughs> oh, I am Antonio. losing my hair, but seriously, dude, what the hell? <laughs> but you're going for the jugular on that joke if that's what you're doing. Jeez, really, dude? <laughs> but but I get it now. I get it. I, I, I am the guy... I, I get it. It's the political, uh, the step back, look, look at the big picture, try and move the chess pieces kind of character. Uh, and I would say, you know, this season six, it doesn't have, have to do with my streaming, but obviously season six, the, the Tyrion Varys kind of tag team is one thing I'm really hoping continues, uh, with a lot of meat in, in, in the next season because I think the two of them together are, 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 great fun to watch and the actors are having a great time and just story-wise just them pulling all the strings really works for me well to tie it back to lost i think that with Tyrion and with Varys, that's such a power combo and when those two i mean that's one of the things that game of thrones and i really think just a great show in general any great show can do is like when you when you put two people on screen together that you wouldn't necessarily think of seeing um you know jamie and Bronn. not that that's such a such a lead but that was an unexpected you know, pairing, and it really paid dividends. I think that that's one of the things that Game of Thrones does really well. Certainly one of the things that Lost did incredibly well. And just thinking in terms of who, who were the power combos on Lost, I think that the very obvious touchstone is how electric the scenes were between Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson. And there's mm-hmm. almost a little bit of that magic when Peter Dinklage and Conleth Hill get on screen together, and we get to see these really magical Tyrion and Varys banter back and forth. I think that's sort of similar when you used to have Varys and Littlefinger or Tyrion and Littlefinger. Really, any combo of that three is a really, really good combo. Yeah, I mean, I used to say, you know, I would watch a TV show called uh, Terry O'Quinn and Michael Emerson eat sandwiches. Yes, Tyrion O'Quinn. Yeah, it's just like I would watch that. And so, yes, absolutely. I, I, uh, same thing here. Like, uh, you know, I already said Dinklage can can do anything and I'll watch it on this show. And, And just 
throw in Varys to the mix. And, and I now take what Antonio said as a compliment. I love it. I love that. I think that, <laughs> I, that cracked me up. That's really, that's really very funny. I, I never really think about, like, who would that person be if they were on Game of Thrones? I just haven't been able to get out of my own shadow of just thoroughly knowing that I am Samuel Tarly, except, <laughs> except not as intelligent. Uh, uh, all right. Yes. The, the final hot take on the board. What is the final hot takeaway of Game of Thrones and your run through Game of Thrones? Uh, I was, my final hot take on Game of Thrones is, uh, you know, let's tie this back to Lost. Let's, let's, let's kind of hook it in. I, one of the things I loved about Lost was the, the genre hopping that it was able to do. Uh, and when they went full on time travel mode, uh, season, uh, I was over the moon. I mean, I, I know you and I both think it's probably, if not the best, one of the best seasons of Lost. Top tier it, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people said that was their least favorite season, which is, which is fine. I get it. But I, I love the fact that Lost wasn't afraid to change genres, uh, and just fully embrace this character study kind of shipwreck thing and going into, all right, now we're full time travel and, and deal with the people. Uh, and, you know, now we'll, now we'll you know, embrace religion. I think Game of Thrones, uh, as a show, it, it it's the closest thing we've had in terms of that genre hopping where there is this religious kind of element to it. There is this kind of, uh, magical element that you can't ignore. Uh, the time travel element that they introduced this season. Normally I am a huge fan of time travel. This does not work. It is not working. I wish it never had been introduced really so you're really out on brand's ability to hop around in time and everything that happened to hodor you were disappointed with oh uh, i i love the i love the hodor reveal of of the name it's so obvious that it couldn't have been anything else and yet no one no one thought of it except maybe that one fan who cornered george r R. martin in an elevator fan fiction there but um yeah, it, that episode worked and that moment worked, uh, certainly. But logically, I can't wrap my head around it making sense. Um, I, I, I just don't think they steered into it enough this past season. I wish if they were going to do it, I wish they had gone full on into it. Uh, I love the conversations that you guys were having all season long about it in terms of the, is this, you know, is it closed universe? Can he change it? Is he just fulfilling the prophecy of doing it? And what did, where did you land on all of that? I don't think the show has answered it yet. Yeah. I think that's the problem. I, I, I wish it, I, I think closing closed universe and he's just fulfilling what, but he can't change it probably makes the best dramatic sense because it makes him such a tragic figure. Um, and he's been a tragic figure, like I said, since episode one. Um, and I would love to see more of that. Um, and if they're going to do it, have him revisit scenes we've already seen and, and show how he impacted it as opposed to impacts it. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it works if he makes any changes. And I just think the ambiguous nature of it is that they don't know. And I think they, to me, I'm feeling that they embarked on this without really quite knowing. And part of it is probably because they don't know, <laughs> you know, they were waiting on George, 
George, what are we doing? We don't know. Crap, we have to decide. And I think they half-assed it, and I think that's why it's not working for me. Interesting. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought the, the stuff with Brand this season, uh, maybe, I don't know if it's my favorite material of season six, but when it was really on in that period where everything happened with Hodor and Brand was getting to trip back in time and see the Tower of Joy, I think one of the reasons, maybe it's maybe it's a book reader thing, or, or I, I don't know, but at least from a book reader's perspective, being able to go and see some of those moments that are that are so vividly discussed in the books that have really, even though the the story in George R. R. Martin's novels isn't traveling through time or anything like that, you do hear a lot about history and characters remember their past. And so you get to go into their head and you get to experience moments like the Tower of Joy, uh, even through Ned's perspective, and you don't get the full story there. And just to see that stuff realized on the show was such an unexpected treat. But in terms of the actual time travel nature of it and in terms of the impact that Bran might have on the future by hopping back in the past at some point in the future it does get very heady not Lena heady and I think that I think that that is something that was unexpected for Game of Thrones to move into that territory and I guess I haven't fully processed it because I, I'm still excited about certain possibilities of like is Bran Stark's go- is his is his destiny is Bran Stark's destiny to become Bran the Builder the Bran the Builder of legend is he going to be something like that is he going to be involved in the original formation of the wall and maybe that's going to be a really beautifully epically done reveal or maybe it's going to fall really flat um and we just haven't had something quite of that magnitude yet the only thing that comes even close is the hodor thing and that was such a nightmarish sequence and an all-timer as far as game of thrones is concerned for me so the only thing that we do have in terms of brands escapades through time impacting the present the only real example of that in a very vivid way we have on the show is hodor and that worked so i'm hopeful i'm hopeful for it well yeah but that that, that and that's the thing like to me it, it just is the way it landed um like i said i am not a book reader and that's that's great I, you know that's it's a different experience so to, to me the tower of joy stuff it landed and it worked, it, just not in the same way because I didn't know what it was, obviously. But uh, you know, they cast the young Ned Stark perfectly, and, and there's no doubt that was Ned Stark. Uh, like, great job. And so, to me, uh, experiencing it from that sense was was fantastic. But it read that when he screams and, and yells and and Ned turns, it read as though he could. He was changing something. That's how it read to me as a viewer. And yet the Hodor stuff was more of a fulfilling of prophecy. Like, this is how Hodor came to be because this is how he had to come to be because whatever happened, happened. Uh, and they're, they're kind of fighting uh, against each other, uh, the, the portrayals there. And I'm fine with him fulfilling whatever destiny it works better for me if he fulfills these destinies in a way that's tragic because he thinks he can change things and then and you know by trying to change uh the the past all he does is creates the present like i i'm fine if that's the road they go down um and i think that would be perfect for for maintaining continuity but as soon as he changes something i i just it, it goes against the hodor because he didn't change Hodor, he created Hodor. Right. So, like to me, I, I just I feel that the storylines are in conflict, uh, and not knowing what happens at the Tower of Joy, uh, 
you know, in terms of and not knowing who brand the builder is and all that stuff. I mean, I know now, but and, and it doesn't bother me knowing that. Like that's you know, if that's the way they go, and he becomes that, that's more just fulfilling prophecy, and I'm cool with that. But as soon as he changes something at this point, it, it doesn't work because. It, to me, it diminishes the Hodor stuff. Yeah, well, I've, and that the Hodor stuff is, you know, the whatever happened happened rule. You know, right? And, and once you establish that, then you can't. I, I don't think you can, you can backtrack. I it. agree. I agree. And, and I think the Tower of Joy hints at the backtracking. I, it didn't read that way to me. It um, did to me, and, and that's my fear. And yeah. and, it, and, and and like I said, because uh, you can't, you really should. Or you probably, I mean, you can have it both ways, but you really probably shouldn't. You right, know, exactly. you're, you're getting yourself into trouble if you're trying to have it be that all of this was always fated to happen, but also Bran can change the past. That's going to be very murky territory if they go there. I really don't think that's where they're going to go, but it's not off the table. No, and 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 yeah, as, as soon as as soon as you know he he turns Hermione Granger and turns the hourglass over a couple of times, yes. and suddenly Ned's alive. Like no, yeah. no, no, no. So Stay that's my tuned fear. For Game of Thrones and the Cursed Child. Yes, that that would be my fear, and so I, I'm hoping they don't go there. Like I said, I, I enjoy the brand storyline, um, but I didn't miss him the year he was gone. Sure, sure fair enough. I don't think you were alone. <laughs> I, I don't think you were alone in that by any stretch of the imagination. All right, and, so- and, 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 and just it, it's not a hot take at all. But yeah. uh, I think people were also equally hard on on the the Sam and, and Gilly story uh, this season. Um, I like that you're trying to walk this back. This is no, this, I, this is cute. I, I, this is cute. I, I love the two of them together. I think they have a, uh, it's a cute chemistry. It doesn't belong on this show, but um, it, it's cute. And someone's yeah. allowed to be happy on this show, right? Like someone has to have some semblance of good fortune. I mean, you know, I think I think SNL did it the best, and I didn't I didn't understand the skit at the time, but they, uh, Sam and Gilly appeared on like uh, Weekend Update. And they were like, yes, we're living here at the wall. <laughs> the show's all about us. Uh-huh. And, 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 and no, it really isn't. No, it is. It's all about us. We're the stars. <laughs> like, I, I get that now. So, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Sam, we know Sam's going to come and save the day because it's, it's what's going to happen. Uh, he's always been the one to come and save the day. And, and, and we're going to get the, uh, the 53 version Lord of the Ring endings with Sam coming and saying, saving the day. So that's so, what you think is going to happen. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, uh, I'm going to die out here. Right. I'm Jon Snow and I'm going to die. No, Jon, I've learned something. Yeah, I know the magical secret of how to undo everything terrible that's ever happened. You need to find your brother. Uh-huh. He's alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably exactly where it's going. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a pretty vivid picture of where Game of Thrones is moving to <laughs> with season seven. Uh, to, to tie this all back to where we start, with this conversation, with starting talking about and what we're talking about throughout Lost Lives Returns, the idea of Lost 2. When Game of Thrones wraps, how long until the world of Westeros is revisited on screen? I mean, will it, will it be the Jon Snow sequel? Probably not. Will it be Peter Dinklage is coming back for Game of Thrones 2? Highly doubt it. But there's so much history, there's so much material in the world of Westeros, and Game of Thrones is a moneymaker, the likes of which have rarely, if ever, been seen on television. Got to imagine that you go back to the well 
do you think it's inevitable that there's some sort of Game of Thrones follow-up and probably shortly after Game of Thrones finishes? Yeah, look, there was a true detective too. I mean, right. they, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's, there's enough there that they could set something up. I mean, you could, you could even just make the argument that, oh, on the other side of the Dothraki kingdom is right, the kingdom right. of such and such. Oh, so yeah, you, I mean, all of that stuff exists. Like, yeah. that's in the maps, that's in the books, that's on the coffee table book that George R. R. Martin put out. All of that is there to be mined. So, yeah, I mean, all, all you really have to do is just say it's it's Game of Thrones hyphen, uh, you know, Vanuatu. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Islands of Fire. You know, and you're you're good to go. So yeah, I, this is like you said, Summer you could release the cast to do other things and 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 do a prequel. You could do a sequel. You could you could do it uh, simultaneous, but in a different kingdom. Like there's so much you could do as as long as it's not the evolution of Sand Snakes uh, and how Doran came I'm to be. On with Rob, that's coming out soon. <laughs> yeah. Three hundred hour audio book on the evolution of Doran. As long as we don't do that, I think we're okay. Yeah. All right. So let's start wrapping up here. Awesome talking Game of Thrones. Really great talking Lost with you. What else are you talking about? Your voice is echoing throughout, (laughs) Mr. Echoing, throughout the (laughs) internet, all over the place. You were talking with Mike Bloom about all sorts of stuff on the Hamster Factor. Is that ongoing? And what is the Hamster Factor for people who don't know? Yeah, it's a little podcast that Mike Bloom and I are doing. Um, uh, We've kind of uh, established it as the education of Mike Bloom in in films. Uh, I am a good two decades older than Mr. Bloom. Yes. Uh, And so my... my experience with film history is just not a little... unlike watching Lost with your eleven-year-old son. Yeah, exactly. Although Bloom is is a little bit more mature than my eleven-year-old. I was really hoping just, it was going to take a different a turn. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, but I yeah, no, so... your son is going full Bloom at any point. No, I hope the hell not. Hope, no, uh, find your back if anywhere. He's right. You're punished. Get back in your room. So. Uh, yeah, no. So Mike and I uh, every uh, every podcast of the Hamster Factor, we uh, I spring a movie on him that that he has not seen uh, that I think uh, is worth seeing, uh, and uh, we discuss it. And so we've done a lot of uh, sci-fi movies like Primer and uh, fu- uh, Frequency and, and films like that. But we also go into like just different types of movies, found footage films like The Blair Witch Project or or uh, we also do some films just uh, that he hadn't seen, like there's an Australian film Proof, uh, there's a film called Trust. So we, we try and hit all different genres. But basically the, the conceit is I've seen the film. I think it's worth talking about and some of the films are, are there just to, 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 to goof on as well we did april fool's day so definitely check that one out <laughs> you want to hear us talk about a bad movie but but even it, within that there, there's some sort of redeeming factor to it so uh, that's all it is it's just us talking movies and and uh, mike doesn't know these movies because he hasn't seen them i have and we kind of just compare and contrast and again seeing it from a different point of view uh and 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 i think that's kind of the the heart of lost is is those different perspectives and i think Think it's the heart of the hamster factor as well and where can people find the hamster factor all the usual places on your little itunes uh, devices you can do a little search and do enter some, those do down do whatever some. your rss not jss but rss yes. <laughs> your jss feed uh and how about the dropship the hundred podcast that you do with joe garfine another one of the founders of lost lives here is that going to be making a comeback when the hundred comes back for season four 
I think uh, certainly in some capacity we're going to be uh, perhaps not on a weekly basis, but we are going to uh, certainly uh, try and get a lot of the uh, interviews with the cast. I think that's where we uh, we got very lucky is that a lot of the cast and, and crew were willing to talk to us during the season. And so I think we're going to try and continue to do at least, uh, if not an every episode uh, recap, but certainly uh, every few episodes touching base. But we're going to definitely try and get a lot of the interviews with the cast members. And if you are binging uh, the hundred and, and want to catch up on it, uh, there's an archive there of the dropship for you. Uh, a lot of really cool behind the scenes interviews that we did, and and just me and Joe uh, Garfine talking about the episodes. I think we both come at it again from really different perspectives, and it's it's always cool to to hear our different theories as they develop over the course of the season. No, your podcasting on the hundred was top notch, and I'm really excited that it's going to come back. I know there were moments where it was difficult uh, with season three and all sorts of meta stuff that was going on as well heavy real world stuff uh but you guys really really champed through it all with season three and i'm, I'm excited that it'll come back at least in some capacity when season four picks up yeah i, I think i think enough time will have passed that uh hopefully a lot of that has died down perhaps, perhaps. Oh, we'll see. Uh, no spoilers no spoilers yes people people have moved on to uh to you know boats out in the Wilderness. I thought I told you to get that Fear of the Walking Dead out of my lost body. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. I was talking about Varys and yes. his, his time travel boat. I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. AJ, this was incredible. AJ, always so much fun to talk to you about pretty much anything. Uh, this was really great. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know, when they actually do lost to it, we can do this again. I'm sure that we will. I'm sure that we will. Awesome, AJ. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Oh, hey, you didn't think we were done here, did you? Of course not. We still have some business to finish up here on the Lost Lives Returns podcast. First of all, I'm only now realizing that not only did we diss Mr. Echo by not doing an actual recap of the 23rd Psalm, but an entire conversation about Game of Thrones passed on a Lost podcast designed to be dedicated to Mr. Echo, and we completely neglected to mention, or I completely neglected to mention, that AAA was straight up on Game of Thrones. Mr. Echo was on Game of Thrones for a hot minute back in Season 5. He's the guy that enslaves Tyrion and Jorah Mormont, and there's all this talk about Tyrion's nether regions, and it's very inappropriate and very uncool. So yeah, you could be forgiven for forgetting it because he was on the show for an episode and a half, if that. Very quick role, invented just for the show, totally unworthy of AAA. That guy needs a better gig. I'm telling you, get him out of the makeup, get him out of those goofy movies, put him in his own TV show. He would be awesome. You would be very happy to have AAA anchoring your show. That's what I would like to see. All right. Before we close out, let's do what we always do around these parts as we wrap up A Lost Lives Returns. Here is the next first scene from Lost 2, according to my good buddy and yours, Coconut Pete. We open on an eye. Because, of course, we open on an eye. This time, the eye is staring blankly as the camera pans quickly around to a half-full auditorium. Professor... Are you actually going to tell us that you believe in magic? It's not magic. It's theoretical physics, and you don't need to believe in it because it's a scientific reality, the professor scoffs. 
Sounds like a bunch of hooey if you ask me, a male student with close-cropped blonde hair replies derisively. Several students begin to mutter. Others begin to leave the lecture hall altogether. No. Sit down. I said sit down. The now irate and seething professor screams at his class of bewildered students. Excuse me, professor. This is an elective, so we don't need this to graduate, squeaks girl still seated in the front row. If you don't want to be here, then leave now before you waste any more of my time. Most of the students hurriedly gather their things and flee the room. A handful of students remain. Excuse me, sir. Do you really think time travel is possible? The professor sighs deeply. I don't think it's possible. It is possible, and I know it. And if you stay with me through the semester, you will know it too. It's simple physics. Well, it's not simple. It's incredibly complex. But it's physics, nonetheless. Come back next week if you are still interested. If not, I suggest you see your academic advisor as soon as possible. You won't be the first. He knows the classroom will be empty next week. If not next week, the week after that, they always walked away. What did he care anyway? He tried to convince himself. Class dismissed, he says. The professor begins packing his papers into a brown shoulder satchel. As he exits the room, a bearded man with glasses approaches from behind. Another rough start to the semester, Pete? Of course it is. I shouldn't have to be babysitting these intellectual neophytes. My time is more valuable than that. It should be focused on research, on breaking new ground. I didn't come to Ann Arbor for this, Jerry. I'm just getting so tired of it. Well, it's part of working for a big university. They pay us to do research, but part of that is teaching. Jerry tries to comfort his colleague and slaps him on the shoulder. Anyway, it'll get better once you have some progress on your research. Speaking of that, how is it going? Are you any further along on your equations? Letting out another deep sigh. How can I? I have papers to grade, meetings to attend, and I'm sure somebody from this latest bunch of flunkies will tell the department head who will call me in for another pointless castigation. I just don't know if I'm meant to teach. Jerry stops and looks Pete squarely in the eye. Well, that's what I want to talk to you about, actually. My wife and I have been working hard to find money to keep funding our doctoral research. We're actually looking at doing something bigger that might interest you. What if I could promise you unlimited access to natural phenomenon and all the time you need to research whatever you want? And the best part is, you'd be with other scientists. No more silly students with annoying questions. Don't tease me, Jerry. There isn't any place like that on Earth. Pete snaps, clearly getting annoyed. If you have a moment, I have somebody I'd like you to meet. He's the benefactor of this project I'm trying to tell you about. He's in my office right now, if you have a moment, Jerry says. If you insist, Pete states in a resigned tone. As they walk through the door into the office, Jerry extends his arm and smiles. An older man with gray hair and a suit turns around. Dr. Chang? I'd like you to meet a dear family friend, Mr. Hanzo. Smash to black. Lost.
There you have it, the latest first scene of Lost 2. According to Coconut Pete, who many of you who have listened to the Lost Lives podcast before certainly know Coconut Pete being one of my college roommates, one of the first people I ever watched Lost with. I always love talking Lost with Pete. Pete will be on the podcast next. We've actually already recorded that conversation. It's a fun one. It's a rambling one. That's how it tends to go when Pete and I talk. I think you guys will dig it. All right, that's it for this week's Lost Lives Returns. Again, apologies for the lateness. Apologies for the lack of episodes recap hope you still enjoyed the show we'll be back next week with some pete and some more fun stuff subscribe to what we're doing postshowrecaps.com slash lost itunes is the way to do it we would love to get your ratings and reviews anything like that would be really fun for us to have still a few more episodes of lost lives returns coming up before we close this thing out or put it back on ice at least for a little while so hope you guys have been enjoying it and we will be back very soon take care everybody cheers cheers